Welcome back to the Two Dudes Three Legs podcast with your host, Zach Dingy. Tony Capaletti. Today, we sit down with Frankie Flowers, and this conversation went all over the place. Talked about marriage, talked about money. He was a World Series poker player. He's owns 10, 15, 20 businesses. 400 track suits. Made a million dollars by 25. Lost a million by 26. Almost committed suicide. There is amazing stories in this podcast. So uh, stay tuned. It's a long one, but it is a good one. Yo, 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 oh, you yo. fucking want to be famous. <laughs> Guys are looking sharp. Zach Dingy. Tony Capoletti. Two Loops, Three Legs Podcast. Where we share business tips, interview experts, and travel the world. This week on Two Dudes, Three Legs. It's good to have you on, Frankie. <laughs> good to see you guys. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Thanks so, for being here, Frank. So it goes without saying that you're very, very well known in the community, in Poughkeepsie. But I want to say, and don't take it the wrong way, but it all started with your father, John Flowers. Oh, I would never take that the wrong way. Uh, my father was quite the man. He Tell was, us about that. So John Flowers, uh, originally from Alabama, he came up here as a young man and uh, went to Poughkeepsie schools. He was a very good basketball player, I remember, because he would always tell me how great he was. <laughs> <laughs> he used to say, uh, they used to call him Showtime, because whenever they were up by a lot of points, he would like you know dribble behind his back on the floor, do all these crazy things, his coach would lose his mind. But uh, that's what they, uh, he said they'd start chanting Showtime, Showtime, and they'd let him go have a little fun. Turn into a Harlem Globetrotter? Literally, I think Was he tall? No, my dad was probably around five ten. Okay. Yeah, but he was a beat. He was good, man. He was like really good. I don't think he could dunk, but maybe when he was a kid. Um, but uh, he was a good ball player. I mean, I, I he still had some skills as I got o- older. I played a little bit with him, but he still had skills. You well, know? Poughkeepsie's got legit talent there. Oh no, he was definitely good. And I've seen books with him in it, so I know it can't be that far off. And people have told me stories. They've seen him. So, uh, like, playing back in high school, they said he was a great ball player. But you know how everybody, like, you know, gasses up the story oh, yeah. a little bit. Like, oh, I, I used to walk to school in 10 feet oh, of snow and no yeah. shoes on and, you know, and all everybody. that stuff. But that was, um, yeah. So, anyway, he, he grew up in Poughkeepsie. Uh, he became an entrepreneur at a young age. He was a painter. He used to paint houses. He had, uh, he had eight children, so he had to figure it out. You know, he had... He had three kids. He was married to Glenda, and he had three, three kids: Yvonne, uh, John, and Alicia. And then he met my mother. He had me. Had my sister Larissa, and then he ended up back with his wife and had Cherie, Lashonda, and Shatia. So he had eight of us all together. Uh, they other family met my sister and I when we were um, probably around. I was probably like around four years old. My daughter, my my daughter, my uh, my sister was one. And uh, he introduced us all, and uh, he's like, "This is it. This is, you guys are family. You know, fam. you got to be stick together." Were you you all grew up in the same household? Under the same no. household? No. Well, at at some point we did, uh, but my, no, I live. Uh, my sister and I live with my mother, and then the rest of them live with their mother. But uh, one thing that happened as we grew up, which was the coolest thing ever, and I, I respect this woman so much because of it. Now here she is married to my father, and they were still married when uh, my father went and had had me and then had my sister but um they were separated you know but Mm -hmm. um when my mother got sick i want to say when i was uh around 10 years old she my stepmother took us in glenda i mean and i could just imagine what it is for something like that you know everyone's so hung up on you know when you're in a relationship it's me 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 oh you did this to me and everything else like 
she didn't blame us for what happened right and the and fact that we were kids put her ego to the side put everything aside for the fact of uh understanding we were children and we needed we, we needed help like and my mother was literally in this hospital at one point almost dying and she just took us in and made us feel as though a part of the family which was I, I i told her that not too long actually at my father's funeral so i'll never forget that that's one of a childhood memories that is like one of the biggest influences of my life i think was my stepmother you know she taught you empathy and just forgive empathy and just... exactly and being able to put aside your own feelings for mm -hmm. someone else you know that's and that's huge she used to take us she was a jehovah witness she still is but uh that's how i learned about that religion and i'm actually glad i did because i used to be the one that used to run from them all the time but i take i take everybody in but it, it opened my eyes up so much more to under start understanding you know how it's okay to have different views on religion and life, and uh, you don't always have to agree, right? We can right. all agree to disagree, but you right. gotta respect one another, because some people have these ideas of, uh, like they think that, oh, this is the right way, and your way is wrong. Well, it might be wrong to you, but at some point down the road, we were taught this, and just like you were taught that, you know? You didn't invent your religion. <laughs> I think that's a powerful message that a lot of people are missing nowadays. Everybody's so divided on everything. Oh, division is, yeah, really huge. And you would think that as we're getting farther away from racism, you know, slavery and stuff like that, that things would change, but it almost seemed like for a while, division was like becoming a bigger thing. Like even like, so we went from like this black president, Barack Obama, and like all of a sudden these people who still had lived in that era with slavery are like, what the hell's going on here? You know, like, you know, like the, it's the end of the world. And then they realize, wait a minute, okay, it works. Okay, we're Fine. still going, yeah. it's uh, like life still goes on. Whether you like what he did or you didn't like what he did, Tomorrow, the sun still comes up tomorrow. That was right. one of my famous sayings with Alex. But um, it's, it's just life still goes on. And then all of a sudden, boom, you got the opposite. Right. You have Donald Trump. And then it's like, holy crap. You know, everyone thinks that we're going back to slavery. <laughs> you know, right, like, right. Even though I will say it's like, it, uh, uh, it didn't matter to me. I mean, I look at people as like, I don't care, even if you're a racist. I, a racist. I don't really care as yeah. long as you don't personally attack me or come after me i look at it like feel how you feel but let me feel how i feel as well right and just respect me i think there was a lot of that as of recently like you said with like the obama era yeah i feel like everyone was fine together yeah now i feel like the media is purposely pushing people against each other oh i think the message is division on oh yeah purpose, so I watch no matter this, what it is i watch this interesting video about uh, the guy made it about red and black ants. There's red ants in a jar and there's black oh, ants yeah. in a jar. Oh yeah. And they're cohabitating and they're fine. They're perfectly fine. And then someone picks up a jar and they shake it. Yeah. Now the red ants are killing all the black ants and, and vice versa. Who's the real enemy in mm. that situation? Yeah. The media is what is the one shaking, yeah, the, the, one shaking jar. the jar. Yeah. And it's like they're doing it purposely. Yeah. You would think so. It seems that way to me. Yeah, it's it's it seems like, well, the one thing I, I thought about, and I, I can't be the first person that's ever thought of that, is like, since I was a child, I always remembered our country was at war, right? I mean, I remember as a kid, Saddam Hussein, and I would see him on t-shirts, this and that, we hate Saddam, hate this, then all of a sudden it was Gaddafi, and then mm. like, now he's gone, and then it's like ISIS. It's like, we're always at war with someone. And I thought about it, with war, 
it, what is what do you get from war? You get money. There's yeah. a lot of money generated. There's yeah. a lot of money filtered now we're through talking. everything. Well, the people so running. What are they doing? So what's and then what it is? It's like there's like a hidden agenda. Okay, we're occupied. You keep everybody hate, 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 and then in the meanwhile they're just filtering all this other stuff. You know, with their whatever they're doing. So I, I always thought about that. It's like why keep everybody fighting all the time? Why can't we just relax and just live? I well, mean, I here in, I think it's if, by design because you know. We're weaker when we're divided. And that I don't think fact, they want yeah. the people to rise up and catch hold of all the bullshit that's going on in our yeah. country. And so distract us by creating problems. This way they can keep their power. Yeah. Right? They can keep your power. They let us have our little businesses, make your money. I don't care, millions or whatever. You, you think that's money? That's not nothing. Millions are nothing anymore. Right. Like, you know, when I was a kid, if you were a millionaire, you'd hear everyone say, oh, this one's a millionaire, a few of those. Now everyone's a millionaire. Yeah. Now it's billionaire. It's, it's common. Right. Where did all that money come from? Where, like, if we still have the same currency, the same amount of gold, where did that money? How did all of a sudden we got printing billionaires? It. They're printing. So it. They print it. So what happens when you start printing money? The value of our dollar goes, has to go down. So then we have this inflation thing. Do you know why I think? And money do also that? always flows up anyway. So the more money you print, the rich are always going to get richer, and the poor are going to exactly. stay the same. Also, so they never feed it, right? as inflation goes up, that pays off our national debt. Do you realize that? Think of it this way, right? So we what? owe, think of it, listen, it's complicated, but think of it this way. If we owe $30 trillion as our national debt, right? That's what the United States government owes. If the money is worth less money, so let's say. Yep, go ahead, sorry. I thought you were doing a point. It's, it's a complicated point to, to understand. I know, I it's get it. Not. It's like no, now all of a sudden 30 trillion is not really 30 trillion. trillion. doesn't mean anything. It's How like are they printing the money? They're buying back debt they're buying the security bonds off of the market. They're, they're buying government bonds out of the market. So they're, they're, they're raising the national debt to print more money. It doesn't just get, get made. They have to yeah, buy the yeah. security. I think he's, yeah, I think they he's right. I know what you're saying. Securities. Like if the number yeah, is here. Inflation can happen without printing more money too. Yeah, of course. So inflation in turn lowers the national debt as but far as value. That wasn't your point. Inflation lowers national debt, but printing money doesn't lower national debt. Printing money adds to national debt. Okay, That's so infl you sorry, inflation yeah. essentially would pay off the national debt. But it's it not makes it less off. valuable. Yeah. Right, but in turn, what's the difference? It's the same shit. But it doesn't matter because if you're printing money, there's you're putting more money in the economy and more debt, so it's still the same. You're putting more and more percentages and differences. True. It doesn't. But inflation itself, different. you know, the devaluation of money brings the value of the debt we owe down. Pretty soon our dollar will be like pesos, right? Yeah, maybe $20,000 to fill up your gas tank. Yeah. You know? Listen, I mean, that's what's happening, right? It's scary. They're, they're, Jerome Powell just announced they're gonna raise interest rates another four or five times throughout oh, spring and summer. they're having a meeting. I don't think they're gonna do it. I think they're gonna wisen up because look at what just happened when they re uh, brought rates up. I don't think they're going to do it. I'll I know it was announced that they were going to. But I, I think they're having meetings this week. I just spoke to someone, I forgot who it was, one of my lenders, who says they're having a meeting about it and they're gonna try and bring Your it lender's back. lying to you. Your lender's trying to tell you that so you, so you take out a loan <laughs> he with wants, them. Yeah. I promise like, you yeah, that. Yeah, by the way, you wanna take a loan well, out what for he said to me was, What he said to me was, wait, the rate might come down. No, it's not. All I'm right. telling you, Jerome Powell, they just announced <clears> it last week that there I is know, a rate I know, I heard it too, but this is just news that I've heard. Right, we'll the prices of houses are going to go up, so I got three. You want to buy them? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why are you selling? I'm you not need selling. them. No, I'm not selling anything. 
Um, All right, so let's go back to your upbringing. So upbringing. Your mother. Your mother taught you empathy. She thought. She oh, that was my stepmother. stepmother. My stepmother. stepmother. That was Glenda. So my mother. Uh, if you, as far, or we we're talking about my father. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I want to know about so how, how he had the eight kids Nora. and everything else. Uh, he brought us together as a family. He made sure that we all knew each other. That we all stuck together. Um, whether it was arguing, fighting, it was just like I heard the word family come out of my father all the time if i could ever like think of a word that i heard more than others it was family and uh i i didn't even understand it as much as i do now like as you get older and you start realizing oh wait maybe this is what he was trying to do this is why he's constantly saying the same thing over and over and over again so this way one day it's gonna click he must have started in fast and furious your father. Oh, fast and Furious. <laughs> it's all about family. Well, he didn't have family. oil back in the day. I think that's why he had so many kids. He probably, he liked to practice. <laughs> but um, no, it was about family and stuff like that. But so as we got older, my father didn't live with my stepmother. He had his own place and he didn't live with my mother either, but he took care of us. I mean, he would always see us. He used to drive me to school sometimes when I missed the school bus. And uh, when I became a teenager, my mother actually had met somebody and uh, we didn't really get along. We got into like a, a little bit of fight. My father came right over and I went and moved in with him. And this was in eighth grade. So I was the only kid that actually lived with my father. And that's how I think I picked up so much of what he is. And um, so from eighth grade through high school, I stayed with my dad. I went to Spackenkill High School. He lived in that area. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I'm such a believer that kids need both parents, right? I'm a huge believer. I don't care even if they're not the greatest parent in the world. My, my mother was an alcoholic face down drunk would drink a a liter of vodka and she's five foot. I mean, like I can't drink a liter of vodka, you know, and I'm only three eleven. but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, no, but anyway, um, I uh, I learned a lot though from her. Even though she was drunk, she still did the best she could. Right? She and she cared for me, nurtured me. She'd come in when I was a kid and put that washcloth on my forehead. And you learn so many things from that, right? Like you know when you're sick and everything else. But then as I got older and I live with my dad, now all of a sudden I learned the hustle. I learned survival. Right? Yes. How to make a dollar. How to hustle. You know, like how to figure things out. How to communicate with people. Not saying my mother couldn't do that, but that wasn't her best skill. Right. And just it's not like he ever said, okay, this is how you do it. I just watched like a little puppy dog. Right. Right. And it's like, you start picking up on things and he would drag me around place to place. At that we age, went. that's what you are. You're a sponge. That you're a sponge. You and pick I'm a it up. huge proponent of that as well. Yeah. I believe that, you know, I always talk about how the, the nuclear family is being destroyed. I yeah. feel like, and it almost seems like by design, but I am a tinfoil hat wearing type of guy. Yeah. A coincidence um, theorist. I'm a coincidence theorist, we call it. It's, but I believe it's real. that, yeah. like, if you look at, and I always point at this, but it's like incarceration rates in this country, if you look at, I think it's like 95% come from a single parent household. Oh, yeah. Have well, you, you ever you, seen this study? I know another stat about right. that. No, no, so another stat I heard is that um, the kids that grow up with a single parent with a father instead of the mother are less likely to be incarcerated. That's what I was just going to say. It's almost the exact same number. If you grow up with mother and father. Or just a father. And just a father are almost the exact same statistics in yeah. terms of carcer- incarceration, college education, uh-huh. all the... all the uh, uh, Survival. Correct. Yeah, yeah, and like getting and then not- ju- compared to just a mother, just a mother, all of those stats you go up. You need a strong 50, father 60, figure 70, in your so. life. You and a lot of people do. are lacking that nowadays, and it's unfortunate. 
And this whole thing with the, uh, you know, feminist movement and all that stuff. Look, I think that's the worst thing. It's, 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 they're, they're hurting themselves. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think you're hurting yourself because, you know, why I, I was married for 16 years. And I think part of the reason why we had such a strong, amazing marriage for the certain time that we did was because we had our roles. I was a provider. My wife was a, like, a mother. She was the glue at home. She took care of our home, our children. And like, I provided everything for her to do that. Mm. So it's like, I was a disciplinary person. You know, it's like when your father gets home, you know, that was it. And it, it's just like, because kids are going to try their mother. Right. I mean, if, if you look at us, forget about humans, look at us like in like animals, you know, like a lion and a tiger, like who's the more dominant, they are going to like be more afraid of that one with the big mane than the other, than, than right. the female, right. right? And that's just, it's the same thing, but we, everyone's trying to, oh, we, you're like this, you're everyone's like that. Everyone's equal, everyone's the same. Yeah. No, we're not. You know, Everyone has to play their role. Well, listen, though, what I'll say too about you, you have the best of both worlds, and that's what makes what you can do with business and all these, all, all your other uh, um, business ventures amazing. Because you just said in the beginning, the first thing you said was, I taught how to love people. I take everyone in. It changed my viewpoints. Yeah. And then your father teaches you the hustle. And that's why you become such a you successful person. You because understand. You, have both. you understand both. So you'll, you'll have feeling, empathy. But then you also have to figure out how to survive mm -hmm. and how to, how to take that and, and apply it to your life where you can make money. Mm -hmm. Right. And then make friendships and make bonds and, and earn respect. That yeah. was another big thing. Respect yeah. is huge. Like you get respect from people, but I mean, how do you get it? You got to give it, you know, yep. that was the two E's that I just heard on actually a call this morning for salesmen. The two E's that you have to have to be a good salesman is ego and empathy. Ego. So you have to be empathetic. You have to actually care about the customer. You have to want their best interest in mind. Cause if you don't have that and you have all the ego, then you're just a crook. But if you have empathy and no ego, when you're challenged in sales, you'll back down and you'll lose. You don't want to be competitive. You don't want to be number one. Yeah. So if you have empathy to the point where you're, you want the best for other people you're trying to help, and then you have an ego where you want to be good, you want to be great, you want to, you want to go out and do it and hustle, that's, that and makes the best salesman. Ego, oh, you said ego without empathy is just a crook, and then empathy without ego, ego is just a failure. You, won't even be a, you wouldn't even be a salesman, really. Right. You would... Not you wouldn't yeah, be you able need to. a little bit of both. Yeah. It's right. like a balance. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything needs balance. Right. It's like you know, you're saying, your mother and father, a little bit of both. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm a big believer in that. Big believer. And I think that's who made me who I am. Being able, I mean, not just my mother and father either. I mean, aunts, uncles, neighbors, a little bit of everything. You know, I've had so many different influential people in my life. And uh, I'm very fortunate to have it because it's, it's changed. I mean, I listen. You know, like I really listen and I don't have to take everything from a conversation. Like you and I can have a conversation and I might, there might be one little thing that you said. I was like, wow, wait a minute. It might click three months later. I'm like, holy crap, that was really good. And I'll use it mm -hmm. when I'm talking to one of these kids or something like that, trying to give them a little advice because it's important to learn. I'm 49 years old. I've been learning my whole life and I'm still learning. I mean, there's, there's impossible. For, I'll be learning until the day I die. And if you're not willing to learn, I think that you're, you're, you're an idiot. You know, you're yeah. in it because nobody knows everything. You know, I don't care. Even a three-year-old could teach you something. A three-year-old could teach you how to slow your butt down. It's true. You know, slow mm -hmm. you down. Like, yeah. oh, I ain't going nowhere because my son just, he just shit his pants. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about entrepreneurship and you're, you're, you're very philanthropic too. And I think a lot of that comes from your upbringing of what you just said. Yeah. How did your upbringing and you, I'm sure there had to be a lot of chaos. Your 
you basically live with, well, you should, I shouldn't say live with three different families, but your, your dad had families, two other families, yeah, you're yeah. in and out with your mom, your stepmom, your yeah. father. So there was a lot of chaos, a lot but of also a lot of teachings. Yeah. So how did that shape you? What did you learn? How did it help you in, in business? So as far as my childhood, I'll tell you a few things I remember. I remember in third grade, I went to Violet Avenue School. So I, I went to 11 different schools. Now, in four of them... No wonder this guy is so social. Yeah, that's how a lot of people remember because I was I had kids... I went to Pine Plains only when I was in kindergarten and first grade, and they remembered me when I played Pine Plains in high school, when they saw my name on the roster. Some J.J. Johnson, he was like, Frankie Flowers was like, I remember that kid back in first grade. Dude, there's only that's 12 crazy. grades, so yeah. you literally were in a different yeah, school Yeah, and I, every well, I was year. in Spackenfield four years, too. The end of eighth and then four years of high school. So, so you think did like about three that. different schools in one year at some point? Well, and so... Oh, my God. It's, a little, it's wild, right? So I... And I always thought about that. So now, growing up, I always would tell people I was a bad kid because this is why I went to schools. Because I, I remember, like, feeling like, oh, I must got kicked out again or whatever because I, I would get in trouble. Not Nothing crazy, but I did a lot of stupid, silly things. But... um. I realized later it was because my mother was constantly losing her job, mm. right? She was an alcoholic. But I don't, you don't know that when you're four years old. You just think your mom's a happy person. When did you figure person. that out? At what age? So I went to an AA meeting with my mother when I was probably nine, nine years old. I remember uh, sitting in a room and crying because my mother was crying when they did that. Like, hi, my name is, you know, so-and-so. I'm an alcoholic. And did and you my, really understand it at that point? I mean, somewhat. I knew that my mother had problems, but I didn't understand alcoholism. I mean, like, you just think that's how life is. At nine years old, like, okay, this is how my mom acts. This is what she does. She smokes cigarettes. I knew the cigarette thing back then, though. I, I was like, I would always tell her, stop smoking cigarettes. Yeah. But I, never, I don't ever remember saying stop drinking. Right. Um, but I remember going to that. I just remember that as a child going to that meeting and watching her cry. Yeah. You know, and then it made me cry. And that's why, you know, you remember more of what you feel. Yes. And what someone says. Emotions. Right? It's like the emotions are the are the most important thing. Yeah. So um as a it's amazing because that really resonates with me. When I was younger, I remember finding out like one of my parents had an alcohol problem. Yeah. And I was like, You do? Yeah. And she was like explaining to me, you know, I'm an alcoholic. And I was like, You are? Like I don't remember it ever, but maybe it's because that's just what I thought was normal. Mm. I never really thought of it that way. Yeah. See, still learning every day. Yeah, yeah. Go on though. So, um, what was it? Oh, so what was it? In third third grade, I remember, uh, I, not all of it, but I just remember sitting there with a psychiatrist. They had me talking to a psychiatrist in school. And the, I remember the words the lady said to me, it was like, I can't believe you're not worse than you are. I just, that's like literally the only thing I remember that of a conversation. Like we talked and stuff. I remember sitting in the room and the woman, can't remember what she looked like. I just remember walking up these little stairs, sitting in this table and we had a conversation. But I just remember those words she said to me. And I, that sat with me my whole life, you yeah. know. And I mean, that's a hell of a statement. Right? Because, well, by third grade, I probably already went to five schools or four schools. You know what I'm saying? Because right, it's only until eighth grade that I went to, you know, ten schools. So she probably knew my track record, you know, like, oh, he's been in this school, this school, this school, you know, this and that. I know I did at St. Mary's. I think I put glue in some girl's hair and then I cut it out. So that was probably. <laughs> <laughs> at least you were nice enough to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I said. I was like, I was doing her a favor. I didn't like her hair. <laughs> How to get it out of there. What do you want me to do? Was that it? When she said that, was that a ticket for you to be worse or be better? Did you take that and start? I don't really, I mean, I don't even know exactly 
what that did at the time. So it didn't really affect you later. But it's just, it always sat with me. And I feel like, you know, you ever just like, I mean, as you get old, how old are you guys now? 24. 30. 24 and 30. So like, as you get older and it might, might be happening now, you start all of a sudden, like you'll be in a situation you, you relate back to something you heard or you said, mm. or you saw in a movie. Right. That's mm. where I get a lot of stuff from. You're like, wow, because someone who created that movie had that same thing happen to them or it's like their idea. Right. And then all of a sudden you're living through it. So I'm, I'm noticing as I get older, like all of a sudden I'm like, I remember this thing that happened when I was three, when I was seven. You know, like, man, why did this? You know, seven is a long time. Oh, yeah. I can't remember anything when I was seven except oh, for yeah. that one moment. So I. I, that's why I was a big believer in like that there's so much more to this brain or this life like energy okay. than we ever even will ever understand right because it's like it's like my brain said remember this because you're going to apply that later in life like or you, or that it imprinted on you and, and yeah. changed who you yeah became. like some matrix or some crazy crap right yeah. it's almost like a path like you're given the path down life and it's like all these things are thrown in at you and it's like this and this and this and then you finally get to that destination where you start applying all these things in your life and it's like and then life just becomes easy yeah it really does as i gotten older i've had some crazy i had some crazy things happen to me we'll get into that but i just once i started really taking all these things that i've learned and just living like say a more more solid good life and being a better person life has gotten easy it's yeah. like i don't even have to worry about money i don't have to worry about situation i just like okay we'll figure it out make it happen okay you got to pay these bills we don't have the cash right now we'll just it's gonna we'll just figure it out let's Some call tony tomorrow. I, yeah hey tony send me 600 <laughs> yeah, yeah i still never found out when this guy hits me up he's like yo send me 600 bucks i was like all right send it to him <laughs> No, I never found out what that was for. I know. Well, I just had to pay somebody through Venmo, and I couldn't. I didn't have anything in that account, so I was like, I needed Me to get and Frankie in. Me and Frankie on that wavelength. We we're know. On, we're, yeah, it'll we're be, like, the sun comes up tomorrow. The sun. I'll get my money later. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You hit high school. Who are you in high school? You're in high oh. school. Are you an entrepreneur already? So high. Yeah. So I'll tell you. This is. It happened before high school. When I was. Um, let's see. We we're living in Milton, and let's see, in a trailer park, and I was. 11, 11 years old, I used to go down to the school and we would pinch pennies against the wall. Uh, that means basically you th you throw, you and I would throw a penny close to the wall, whoever gets closest, you win the penny, right? Mm -hmm. Pennies we would do this for. <laughs> so, and I would, I, I, I was a pro, I would practice for hours on how to get close to that wall. And I went in like, you know, 30 cents, 40 cents, whatever it was, I'd go down to the store, I'd buy gum, I'd bring the gum to school and I'm selling it in school. 10 cents, 20, whatever it is, you know, like and and you I, learned that behavior from where just, I just happened. See that? I don't even know. You were just like, I can make more pennies. I just, that's gun. what I was thinking, making money, making money. I just, that's something I think is in my blood. Yeah. I just was like, and my kids do it. Like I, my daughter now who's uh, 16 makes rings. Leah, I just talked to her the other night and she's like telling me how she's like making rings. And I was like her, her older sister, Miranda, when she was five years old, she was taking her toys out, trying to sell them in a yard sale. Like you know, her mother calls me up. She's like, Frank, your daughter's taking everything out of her room, trying to sell it. You know, like, she watched like, one Gary Vee video. Yeah, yeah. That's it. She's trying to flip it. Dad, like, I'm flip this house, flip these we dolls. Hit KB toys. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, no, I started with the gum, and then as I got a little bit older, I would sell, I remember getting like sunglasses, like anything I got on sale, deals. I mean, I was selling pens, I had everything. You know my locker in school, middle school? You, I had everything you needed. What do you, you need, gum, selling. Jolly Ranchers, Starburst. Yo, that's hilarious. Oh, it starts at a young, so then, I was, uh, actually, that was, I was 10 when that was, because when I was 11, I was started around 11, I was mowing lawns and I was making about $20 a lawn. I mean, now, you know, 20 back, back then, it's 20 bucks a lawn. I'd get my own gas. We had a little bucks lawnmower. back then was good money. That was good money. I mean, these are big lawns, though. These are like estates. I was like, oh. you know, Man, <laughs> it was like Stephen's daughter, like Victoria's house was doing for 20 bucks. Yeah. I was there oh sweating, God. dying. <laughs> Stephen would have got me for like seven bucks. You know, like, <laughs> come on, kid, you'll be fine. <laughs> I love Stephen. No, but I was, um, I was trying to figure out about how much I was making, but I was probably doing like three lawns a day after school. And then at the end of the week, I'd give my mother all, like most of the money. I'd probably give her about 70, 80% of it. And I would keep a little bit. And what I do with that money is I'd, you know, buy things and resell in school. I was mm. making thousands in That's middle school. Crazy. Like it was like seventh, eighth grade. I was making a ton of money. And you're blowing this money or putting it away? No. So like I would, I bought all my own school clothes. I bought like, you know, I was able to buy like all these things at a young age, you know, like, cause we didn't have that. My mother barely got by, you yeah. know, like she was, she was drinking. Sounds you know? like that worked to your advantage. Oh, it's huge. Isn't it funny? It's, it's wild. You know, it's, it's really wild. I mean, I always think back, like what made me do that? But I did spend time with my father, you know, and like I said, even at a young age, he'd pick us up on the weekends and I just paid attention how he talked to people and he was always hustling. It mm. was always like he was figuring out a way to, he was selling little, little perfumes or doing something on the side, always a little something. Yeah. And that little something sometimes makes more money than your regular job. Right. And or at uh, least it's it's a huge supplement because it's all profit-based instead of, with, with no time down. Yeah, you're not paying for overhead, nothing right. like that. It's just a little, a couple That's of things. That's incredible though. Usually people do that in high school. Uh, middle school you're already middle school you're trapping oh. out the locker of oh, jolly yeah, ranchers yeah. and laffy taffies and whatever else you know yeah that's in, that's incredible because but like middle school what you're 10 11 yeah 10 11 you're not old. even like developed to where you nah. you know so but i was developed because like i said it's like i used to have to make food like my sister and I, my mother was working or she was drunk or whatever mm -hmm. like we would go in and we'd figure out i learned how to bake when I was like, we'd read the book. We'd we tried. I remember that we screwed up on the cheesecake really bad. It was like soup. <laughs> That's the only thing I was never really good at. But everything else, we figured out how to make. My mother come home. We we like we read read the recipe book. We you know go next door to the IGA with our couple pennies or whatever. We'd buy like some Jiffy Mix or whatever it is, and we'd make like little muffins or something. But we figured it, makes it out. A lot of sense because Frankie don't pay nobody to do nothing. <laughs> if no. Frankie needs something done, he's like, oh, no, I got a couple guys. I got fucking. I got a truck coming right now. They're gonna move this over here. And, hey, this guy does everything. <laughs> we do a lot of stuff. We do a lot of stuff. If you had to sum it up into one word, what do you do? If someone's, if someone oh, gives well, you wait, one here, word, ready? Let, me, let me try to. <laughs> no, let's see if I got it all. Ready? Okay. He had a clothing store. He's got thirty plus Airbnbs. Uh, a little less than that now. Yeah. Okay, you own properties. Mm -hmm. You're a professional poker, poker, poker player. player. Uh, you run uh, John Flowers nonprofit. Your yeah. father's nonprofit was yeah. that started by you or him? No, my father. Thirty years okay. ago. Okay. Uh, 
And you have a landscaping company. Landscaping. And construction. And construction. And we do snow plowing, too. <laughs> if anybody wants to snow plowing. <laughs> are we missing something? Uh, well, we, are we going to leave out the, the brassiers? Or, no. <laughs> <laughs> Brazzers, I think. Yeah. Well, Brazzers. That, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he washed my car yeah, a couple yeah, weeks yeah. ago. Um, yeah, that's really it. I mean, I still hustle doing everything, though. Like, I'll buy and sell things. If yeah. I see something, I'll buy a car, sell it, you know, and I'll, I'll hold paper. I mean, I'll do a lot of if different things. If he gets things. his hands on anything for less than it's worth, it's out. It's, it's gone. It. We figure it out, and then we sell it, you know. And Yeah, that's another thing. You got storage units loaded. Loaded with stuff, yeah, constantly. He's and got I his own Facebook marketplace. It's called Johnny Flowers Marketplace. Yeah, yeah. The flower shop. The flower shop. Most you people think they're buying roses. Up. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But um, all right. Let's talk about this real quick because we're jumping. I, I'm a firm believer in do one thing for very long until you make some serious money in that thing. Then take that money you made from getting good at X skill, and then you do Y, Z, A, B. Doesn't matter. You could do all of it. That works for some people. You from day one just have this wiring of like everything. Do everything. Yeah. Make money on everything see i'm that I'm i don't care like opposite. this space make money on renting it out while it's not being used you know have a, a airbnb it have parties in here whatever it is you know just mm -hmm. all three of those things are happening in this building yeah, yeah. We but i'm just saying as soon as i saw the space i was like this would be a great place to have little social gatherings events stuff like mm -hmm. that somebody can do like a little like a little champagne thing or whatever a little yeah, we had a new year's thing. eve party here where we had a bunch of people champagne perfect and then you can have downstairs. the backdrop take photos you already have the cameras people love that stuff you know everyone wants to be a movie star yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's why we got His a mind your mind state it reminds me of the quote if you work everywhere you go you never have to go anywhere to work that's it and it's like yours is like on another level though because it's not just about where you go it's everything every everything single you thing do. you do is like how can i make money doing this and that's how i opened my clothing store i love clothes i was best dressed in high school i got best dressed most school spirited and something else i think it was uh I can't remember, but uh, I love clothes. I love clothes. And I said to myself, I was like, how can I do this? Like, I can't, I'm going to spend all my money on clothes. I got to buy, a, I got to have a clothing store, start selling it. So now it's like, I buy, you know, 12 shirts. I keep one for myself. I sell the other 11 and I'm making money now. Okay. I go buy 12 more shirts. I'm making money. You write them I, off too. And I don't know if you were doing it, it that legally. All right. but I was making so much money. I didn't need to write anything off. <laughs> <laughs> I Let was me ask though. Hand over like, fist. Again, I, I, I'm such a firm believer in doing one thing. What, what's your most profitable thing you're doing right now or your most enjoyable? What do you like doing out of all the businesses the most? Or what do you put your most time into maybe? So I see, well, that's the thing is like, I don't have one thing I like to just do because it's all based upon the same thing. Cause I'm curious. Cause like your skill set and who you are and your connections, I think if you were to do one thing, Oh, it'd be through the you roof. Would yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. Kill it. Yeah. Well, it's like a salesman. Like, so I was the, I'm becoming a property manager too. I'm taking over, uh, like 105 units. The guys hire me. He's just, he, he met me and within, a, he knew me from years ago and we just had a meeting and he's teaching me like how to, you know, do everything that he has. Cause he's getting out of this other company. He's like, Frank, do you have a real estate license? I was like, no, but I, you know how many properties I've sold without having a license? What I, you know, like I find a, like I have somebody who wants to buy a place, somebody wants to sell whatever. And I call a real estate broker and then, you know, you it's like happen. I get a little, get a little, you yeah. know, get lunch. 
<laughs> a little something, you know. I'm not trying to ruin anybody's license. You broke with the deal. Let's you broke with the deal. But it's like one hand washed the other, two hands washed the face. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's true. But um, it's always been, and he said to me, he just said it to me two days ago. I went and saw him, and he's like, how do you, he's like, you're a natural. Like, you would kill it. And so it's, there's a certain gene I think people have. And I got it from my mother. My mother had it with alcoholism. That's why it's like, you take anybody who's an alcoholic or a drug addict, if you get them clean, they'll be a master at anything. Oh my God, dude. Oh, you know Frankie, what? Frankie, hold up, Frankie. My, my sales director, Jill Sutherland, he literally tells me to go to A&A meetings and go find people that are, are that are They're ex-drug the best addicts in the world. and you get know them why? to sell because yeah. they are you the best. You know why I think Half that is? Half of my sales team is retired gamblers or drug addicts. Yeah. Here's why I think that is. So what you're really good at when you boil it all down is you solve problems. That's all you do. I'm a, sol- at a problem a, at solver. At any level. I don't make things, I make them better. Now, who, <laughs> who is more driven than someone who's addicted and needs yeah. something. I if need you it. need alcohol, oh my you're God. gonna fucking get it. Hell or high that water. Personality trait. But that's the trait. It's, pers- it's, addic- I mean, it's addiction. It's put onto yeah. something else. Now, if you can fo- put that level of focus of, oh, I need that drink or I need that, yeah. but into. Turn it into like, I, I need, need to sell this car today. Mm-hmm. You're done. I could sell Nobody's anything. Nobody's getting in your way. I don't care what it is. Even, today I was at Stevens. I just bought another truck today. <laughs> from, like I walk into this guy's place to, to pay off two cars and I bought another one. I was like, how the hell do you do this? Somehow I go in there with a certain X amount of dollars because I'm like, all right, I'm gonna pay this off. I don't have these bills anymore. And now I have a bigger bill. I'm like, Steven, how did you do this to me again? And while, while I'm there, he was in a, getting ready to have a meeting with someone. He sells me the car during this meeting where he's like telling me, Frank, I only have five minutes, blah, blah, blah. Somehow he's like, yeah, come look at this truck though. Blah, blah, you know, this in the middle of this meeting, within two minutes, he sells me a car. I'm still stunned. Oh but the first thing he says to me, the guy, the guy, his guy, he's listening to me talk to somebody else. And he's like, man, you'd be a great car salesman. And Steve was like, don't let him do that because I don't want to go out of business. Because he knows he's like, he's like, I, he's like, he knows I'm like he is. But, but you can be, sell anything. Yeah, sell ice yeah. to Eskimos. You'd you know, be like, tough ca- competition. I would crush it. And then yeah. I would take it personal, like, oh yeah, you think you're the baddest? I'll show you who the best <laughs> the salesman ego, is. Baby, and All the ego's coming, ego and the empathy. coming out. Yeah. I mean, but like, I don't ever want to hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. My whole thing is like, I'm a big believer that if we all eat and we all earn, if you bring everybody up, now if I fall down, I got all my friends mm-hmm. that we've been helping each other, you pull me back up. Then if you fall, we pull you up. Sure. Not the opposite. A lot of these people, they see you doing good, they want to pull you down, pull you down, pull you down. For what? Then I can't ever, it's I can't scarcity ever use mindset. you. Yeah. That's called the scarcity mindset. So yeah. you have the same belief that we do. There's enough, to, 100%. there's enough to go around. And here's one of my best quotes, or one of my best things I teach my kids. I say, use me, just don't abuse me. I want you to use my connections. I want you to use every piece of knowledge I could possibly possibly give you, yeah. right? Just don't abuse it. Right. Don't walk on me. Don't step on my head. Step on my knee. Let me use my hands and pick you up. Ooh. But don't when you get up top, don't step on my head <laughs> and then forget about me. Pull me up with yeah, you. Yeah, you pull me up with you. That's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And then you'd be amazed. I'm like, I have friends in like like Steven, perfect example. I can go into his car dealership. I could I could have not a dollar and I could buy a car. Yeah. 
But why? Because he knows, you know what? This guy's going to hustle. But, but, but I have no question Frank's going to do it. That's what he did today. He, he's like, yeah, he sold. He's already, Jason's getting it already. I haven't given him not one penny yet. Yeah. I haven't got insured or anything like that. He already took it off the lot. I was never giving him anything That's yet. It's called locking in a deal, baby. You, just, <laughs> you got God. Yeah, I got, got, got God in my corner. But I tell you what, about 10 years ago, it wasn't that, that wasn't that way. I was, I was more, not to say I was a bad person, but um, I was more of a, a self-driven person where I wasn't thinking about everybody else all the mm. time. And I and that's how come I lost my wife. You know, I was so after that money, chasing it. And like, I became such a, like an animal yeah. trying to like gambling. And like, I took some huge losses on some property deals and, and losing in casinos. And I just changed, like I took away all of my energy and focus away from my family. And I was like, chasing the dollar yeah and now what i did was i scaled back a little bit and a lot of it had to do with i, I keep bringing up steven but he had a conversation with me one time and he just it just changed how i was thinking and he's like he goes i guarantee you i was telling him about my son's mother how we were arguing and fighting and everything else and he's like do you go take a nap afterwards i was like how would you know that i literally so i we were getting arguments and i i would have to stop midday and go take a nap, You're like exhausted. a kid, yeah. right? I'm exhausted, my energy level is dead. I go home, take a nap, I wake up, and she couldn't understand it. I'm like, Jessica, I gotta go take a nap. She's like, what the, What are you talking about, take a nap? But she, like, my energy is so high strung that it's like, I need to fuel it, fuel it, fuel it. And then when I spend it all trying to fight you and like prove myself to you and like, ah, uh, ah, uh, it's just like emotionally draining and it just kills you. It yeah. kills a person. It's like putting me in a jail cell. Yeah. You put me in a jail, you might, it's like killing me. Yeah. You might as well kill me. I, I'm not like Gandhi. Who, who was, is, was he the one yeah. that was in jail all those years? I'd be dead. <laughs> I would never last. Too, yeah. And I'm too high strung. I'm like, I run on like pure octane, you know? Yeah. You know, like I, you do. I mean, look at you. I mean, yeah. like you, you're flying a million miles an hour like now, you know? Yeah. Which maybe the best thing that happened to you was your like, because oh, it, it changed is. your whole life. Oh, now you're like. You, I can tell you right now, just like you're saying, yours was the conversation with Steven maybe, but what slowed me down was my accident. I was running around all over the place with no mission or purpose. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I realized it's not purpose. all about me. Yeah. I found my purpose. Your purpose. And now that I have a purpose, I've slowed down and at the same time my life has accelerated tenfold. Awesome. I you know, you know what's going on in my life. We've yeah. talked about it on the podcast before. Yeah. I've lived a whole life in the last two years that I wasn't doing before the accident. I see I have yeah. a ten year it's gap cool. of I was doing nothing. I know. And but you feel so amazing. better, right? Now? Oh my God. Now it's not just about me. Yeah. What we do is, you know, even just this whole podcast, we're out yeah. helping other people. It's about other people. And, and when changing. you give, you get. Yeah, you're changing lives big time. I yeah. see you. I watch some of your videos with the, you know, with the kids, and you're helping them with different legs and stuff like that. I'm like, imagine if they didn't have you. You know, right. like, how, like they don't have somebody. And that's how I look at a lot. Like a lot of the people I help nowadays, I'm like, what if they didn't have me? You know, like what are they doing then? And I've been on that line at Mag Auto when you guys are handing out turkeys? how many turkeys did you do? Hundred, like fourteen hundred. You you fed fourteen hundred tables, families. So how many families? Yeah. How many people is that? Yeah. So you we average about I'd say eight. We we figure eight people per family. So you're talking over ten thousand people right there. It's crazy, right? Eat wow. Thanksgiving dinner because of that, right? And um and then we hand out with Fuel for Life at um we do it at 
29 North Hamilton Street at the Family Partnership, mm -hmm. Dan Hickey from Eileen Hickey, uh, uh, who had passed away years yep. ago. Yeah, you know their, your family? Yep. So uh, Dan still does it. His wife had died. She was always doing the soup kitchen and stuff like that. They get a grant and they get the money and then, you know, they buy the food and then now Marshall cooks it. And then we hand out another we, this year we did like 1,900 meals on wow. top of that on Thanksgiving Day. So you're talking 12,000 people are eating Thanksgiving Day because of an idea. That's right. incredible. It's wild. Uh, one idea. Were you doing that? See, you were saying before with your, your ex-wife, you were chasing the dollar so much with her. Were you still that kind of a giving person or did the lessons and stuff teach you to not I, chase the dollar so much, more of a purpose, more of give? Yeah, so I was always... I'd say a giver, like mm -hmm. I would always give, but um, I think I was more of like, I had that that gamble in me, mm -hmm. which the gambling, it wasn't just like poker. Like I became a, a professional poker player and looking at the game a lot different, but I, the thrill of it, the thrill of going to Las Vegas mm -hmm. and you know winning 200,000 or even losing 200,000. Sometimes, I, I mean, like ridiculous numbers where like some people, if an average normal person if they go home and tell their wife they lost a hundred thousand, they better like run mm -hmm. or just yeah. hit the bridge <laughs> on the way home and get it over with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I would tell stories sometimes. I had to stop telling it because I'd be like, "Oh my god!" They were like, "What? So what's wrong?" I was like, "Ah, I was like, I had a bad day. I was like, oh, I lost seventy thousand dollars." It's like you what? I'm in like, a day? I, yeah. <laughs> That's your biggest loss in a day? No, no, I lost. <sighs> I don't even know if I should tell this number. Yeah, you definitely should. <laughs> <laughs> but one weekend, and this is a weekend that changed a lot of things in my life. Um, actually, my marriage and everything I lost. It, it was just under, I, and the only reason I remember the number so clear, because there's 365 days in a year, and I lost just over that thousand. $370,000, or you're saying? Right, I was like $367,000. In a day. No, it was or the weekend. weekend. It was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sitting at a table. Uh, it oh, was so, oh, and this was in, we went, so here's what happened. I had a poker club, right? Mm -hmm. I decided, you know, I'm gonna take all my, I made a lot of money during the social club and stuff like that. Um, and I said, I'm gonna take all the guys to the Mayweather-Gotti fight. I don't know if you, how old are you now, but you remember that fight down in uh, Lake City? That was one of his biggest fights. Yeah, Mayweather-Gotti was fighting down in Lake City. So I called my host. Like I said, I'm a big gambler. They send limos to pick me up. I said, I want four or five limos, you know, different casinos, everything else. I have them come to my house. All my guys, and I took also my wife, uh, a couple friends of mine, some of them brought their wives. <clears throat> Get limos for everybody, rooms for everybody, tickets to the fight for everybody. I sat right next to um, Strahan from the Giants. Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan. Right next to him. Puff Daddy Where, was like a few rows ahead of me. Tom Brady was sitting like 10 rows in front of me with, with Donald Trump, actually, at that fight. Donald Trump and and uh, and uh, Tom Brady. I'm like ninety percent sure we're there. Yeah, I'm I'm right in the mix. We're just chilling. It's wild. It was It was nuts. And I'm like, like as it's happening, it's just normal life to me at the time, right? I'm like, I don't even like I didn't care about. It. Puff Daddy comes in. They got the film crew behind. I was like, oh, there's Puff Daddy. You know, like it was no big deal. I was never starstruck. How old were you at that time? Uh, let's see. This was whenever the Gotti fight was. So I'm 49 now. I want to say I was still living at Perkinsville, so uh, 2012, 13. 10 years ago, so you're yeah, it was, 30s, you're in your 30s. Yeah, wait, actually, no, no, this had to, hold on. My daughter's 16, so it was before she was born, so it was like 17, it had to be 17 years okay. ago. Okay, so you're... Yeah. 
Yeah, it was in my 30s. 20s. Yeah, no, it was in my 30s. Okay. I'm 49. Okay. So it was probably oh, okay. 32, 33, something like that. Okay. But it's, I, I mean, at that that age, I had millions in cash. Cash. Millions, huh? Holy Where's shit. this going? <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. I think the no. IRS can only go back five years, Frankie. You're uh, all right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I made my first million before I was 25. Wow. First, yeah. In- so that's your high point then, probably. No, I've made much more. I've made much more than that, you know, and I've owned so much more. Like, where my my value or my my net worth was so much more and than that. And you talked me down on fucking rent? And I, Are well, you kidding me, Frankie? Yeah, but so, but you <laughs> caught me at a different time in my life too. You know what I'm saying? Like once I'm, when you're 25 years old and you have a million in cash and no one's ever told you what to do with it, oh, man. you're an animal. That's a huge responsibility. You're, yeah, but you're an animal. I, I mean, go hand a 25 year old a million dollars oh, yeah, in cash. Too much that's never had, that's never been get, like, I got a father, right? Who's never taught me anything about finances. He's taught me how to hustle. Never taught me how to like, you know, retirement or IRA. I don't know anything about Roth IRAs or any of that kind yeah. of stuff. I got a mother who was an alcoholic, you know, like who's barely surviving. And like, here it is. I, I earned that money too. I'm like shrink wrapping. I'm burning out food savers, putting the money in like, no. oh yeah, <laughs> constantly. Yeah. So you got a million at twenty five. Well, we a little go over back two. A, a little over two. And you're saying in cash. Cash, yeah. Not net worth. No, not, not no. And Make. I still I own my house. I mean, like, yeah. What was the most of it coming from? Gambling. So yeah, some of us come from gambling, and then uh, the store. I had my first store around that time. I was like, um, or I actually had. I think I had two stores at that time. The store in the gallery store. Yeah, I had the one store before I had the store in the mall. Though I had already made over a million dollars. Um, so I had the I had the one poker club, which I was probably clearing about ten thousand a week. Wow. Yeah, and then um, I just had from the, hosting it, huh? Yeah, running the games. Yeah, and wow. I was a I was a good player. I used to travel to the city, Portchester. I'd go to New York and I play in these high stakes games. I was this young, you know, whippersnapper, and they they all looked at me like a fish, and I was a beast. You yeah. know, I'd go win two hundred thousand dollars in a night. Wow. And you get paid cash. It That's wasn't crazy. no checks or. That's yeah, poker. you go Something. walk home with like a, a duffel bag. Yeah, I'm like, you know, go grab literally. me, uh, grab me one of those. You know, so <laughs> it was, it was wild. You know. All right, so you're 25 and you have no idea how money, how to, how to spend it, what to do with it. No, What's I do. Craziest... Oh, believe me, I know how to spend it. Okay. I can spend What's that. What's your shit. craziest purchase? <laughs> craziest purchase? Yeah, at the time, you got two million dollars in cash for 25, making 200 thousand some nights. You got to be buying some crazy shit. I mean, I don't know if it was crazy. I mean, I bought cars and right. how, I, I was an investor though. Like I started buying properties. Yeah. I started buying mm-hmm. houses. Yeah. So you I were mean, smart with I'm, it. I'm trying to like, I always invest, like yeah. buying a piece of property. Cause I, re- and, and you know why that is? I remember hearing that. Actually, I heard on the Sopranos again later on, but uh, uh, I had a German guy come say to me one time, he's a friend of my father's. He's like, property is where it's at. That's where the money, there's only so much property in the world, you know, like land. And then I remember watching the Sopranos one day and and Tony said it to his son. He's like trying to tell him, "Ah, there's only so much property. And I was like, oh, I've heard that before. And, and that's then it where really it was. stuck with you. Yeah. Well, cause you know, think about, we're on earth, ever, right? Baby. There's only so much of it. Right. So if you own a little piece of it, I mean, the more you own, the more. Well, what about the virtual land now they're making? I don't know. I mean, I'm not into, I don't know what the hell that is all about. All the NFTs? Know? Yeah. You're, start you're not buying, space. no, you're not, uh, you're not buying land in the, in the uh, metaverse. 
No, not no, for you. I'm not there. It's not for. Yeah, I got to be able to never. see it. I'm more, I'm more of a, like an old school guy. Like you yeah. got to show me. I like even the texting and all. I don't mind doing that, but I want to talk to you. I want to see you face to face. Yeah. Like if I make a deal with you, I'll make a deal. But you can't bullshit me if I see you in your face, right? Because mm -hmm. I'll read right through that. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're like not you, gonna you, beat me. You've been around too many people. I've been seen around too many faces. Yeah, yeah. Too many faces and so, places. So let's talk about this. You're 20. In my and, yeah. and you got money. Ah, uh, yeah, killing it. You must have ran into some trouble when you were younger. Can you tell us a little bit of some of the trouble? I heard a story about a, a, a failed robbery. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> uh, all right. So 1999. Oh, oh, that just started like a cinema. Yeah, yeah. This is for real. Set That's the, the, the B-roll. <laughs> 1999. All right. I have a store in the gallery of malls called GQ Fashions. It's right where Hot Topic is now. Right next to Annie Ann's pretzels, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I had pretzels. all the hottest gear, hottest herb, Fubu, Pelly Pelly, uh, Tommy Hill figure, Sean John, Shout you know, all DJ. of it. You know, it was like people came to my store. I had I used to have, anybody who came in to perform in, the, in this in Poughkeepsie, even the Civic Center, they'd come in my shop and buy clothes. I had all the the hottest stuff, um, and uh, we had these Aprex leather jackets. Now, first, let me just tell you how I got into that mall. I when I went into that mall, I had every penny. I had into that store every dollar. I literally the only money I had because I invested everything, you know, like eight hundred thousand, whatever it was at that moment. Mm. I was like, I had bought houses and everything like that. I had that, but like cash, it was all in, and uh, I took a gamble. And I actually even needed like fifteen thousand dollars from somebody because I had to sign a lease and give them thirty thousand dollars that day. And I was like, I needed it right then. I called yeah, right a buddy at of mine. The mall is wild. He, yeah. what, what was it a month? No, I saw so they had a thing with me where they did a short term three month deal and it was uh, October or so November, December and January. And they charged I, I want to say it was around like twenty seven or twenty eight thousand dollars for those three months. And that's it's probably the hottest months to be in the mall. It is. Yeah. Black Friday, you know, and, Christmas. And back in 99, the malls were popping. Yeah, it was. And I crushed it. And I didn't just go in and do like the pop-up shop. I went and got the neon signs and mm. had the frosted glass in the front with my logo on it. Everything's logo, GQ Fashions. Now I'm a kid, I've never took advertising, but I knew that like what you see is real important. So when Experience. people came through the mall, they're like, they would look at me like Macy's, you know, like even yeah. better. I remember some of my uh, my sales reps would see, would see my store and they'd be like, who does all your advertising? I'm like, I, what do you mean? They're like, who so, does all your grass? I was like, oh, I, I do it at this shop here. Like, but do you pay someone? I was like, no, nah. I just, it's like, this is, this is incredible. I like, I go into like multi-million dollar stores that don't have this kind of stuff going on. Cause you you're know? a problem solver. I'm a problem solver. There it is, Tony, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, a connector, I like to look at it. So anyway, 1999, I just pick up these Averex leather jackets at, in the city. And I'm paying probably around $400 a piece. And then I'm not buying them directly from the company. I'm buying them from stores in the city, like wholesalers, who are probably paying 300, selling them for 100, and I'm selling them for seven, eight hundred dollars up in Poughkeepsie, New York. We got these jackets all up top, and uh, these two kids come in, and they, you know, these big kids, they put their jackets on the counter, and they're like, "Hey, want to try these jackets on?" So this kid John, who works for me, John's there, and my my ex-wife, who we weren't married yet, she's there. And the store's only about 1,100 square feet, so we're, we're all kind of close together. Mm. He brings him down, he's, I'm letting him do his thing as a salesman, and of course I'll come in at the end and close the deal. So I let him do his thing, and then sure, you know, the one guy's got one on, the other one keeps trying, I'm trying, now I got all these jackets down, you know, big money, all these leather jackets. 
And then they're trying to cut a deal. So I, I, I walk around, we're talking to them. I, I offer to take like X amount of dollars off. Next thing you know, I'm looking, the back of my store is all mirrors and I'm looking towards the back. I see him running oh, out the store. I'm like, here we go. So, you know, and they're throwing racks down behind us. And John is, um, John says security. Like, we don't have security. <laughs> <laughs> I like security. But we're chasing them. They bolt right out to the left and go out, you know, out into the parking lot. So I'm a quick thinker. You know, like people say that's narcissistic behavior or whatever. When you say you think quick on your feet, I think that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Who the hell would say I, that? Well, because I said that to somebody. They're like, how did you possibly think to do this while you're doing that? She's like, I would never tell anyone that because that sounds narcissistic. And I'm like, who the fuck said Because that? I say I think fast. I'm like, I think quick on my feet. Like, it's just, that's just who I am. If that's being a narcissist, then I guess I, that's I, what I, it that's is. That's the most invalid thing I've ever heard. I was like, I paid that lady a thousand dollars too. It was, like, <laughs> I, I was so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, something I had to go through an anger management class. Did you pay class. a thousand Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. What? I had to get an evaluation. Yeah. I did it. Yeah. I know. Oh, oh, my God. All right. That's so we're going to get sick. to that. Here we go. <laughs> so these guys run out of your store, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, these guys, they run out of the store, and I'm thinking about my dad's, oh, I, my dad's car. I have the keys in my pocket, but I know I'm going out. And I'm thinking these guys are running to get into a vehicle, right? They're they got, they got to have a plan. They didn't just run out that door for no reason, not just to run and stop and be like, okay, here we are. We're out. <laughs> we made it. Yeah. So John's chasing them, and the, when I look out, I see my dad's car right there. I'm like, stay with him. Well, they bolt off to the right where Best Buy used to be, right? So um, I get in the car, and I'm coming down the off-ramp, and all of a sudden, you know, like, I'm just coming down, and I don't know how much of this story I can actually give you, but somehow this guy... Uh, attacked the front of my vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, he attacked your windshield. He attacked the car, the grill, the windshield, and then he attacked the underneath part of my car. Oh. It was amazing. I don't know why this guy thought he could beat up a muffler. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, uh, but I will say, I mean, uh, uh, so, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, just say the story. All right, so it's years later. What's the statutes yeah. of limitations? 1999. So, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm hot, man. I mean, in my mind, I can tell you, this is what I was thinking, right? I didn't purposely go out to try to hurt this guy, kill this guy, whatever. Right. He didn't die, you know, but I didn't purposely. That wasn't my plan. I don't right. want to hurt anybody. Right. But I'm seeing cold red, you know, like black. Like, you guys are... I don't even, I got $80 in my cash register. I'm paying these people at the end of the day to work. And I'm like, everything I have, line. this is my life. I yeah. have children. I have a, yeah. I have a, at the time I had a five and a four year old that I had to take, I have to pay child support. They, they depend on me. Yeah. I'm not letting you take my shit. You know, that's straight, straight up how it is. And, um, I was hot and I went out there and then all of a sudden this happens. This guy ends up getting hit by my car. Uh, you know, accidentally. You don't have to defend yourself. My only question is, why didn't you hit the other guy? Well, <laughs> that's how we ended up putting it in reverse. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was, you know, I wasn't really trying to hit him. I was just trying to nip him. So this way, you got him down, and trying then I can get out. Him. And get, yeah, get they were jackets. big. They are big guys, you know, yeah. and they had a lot of protection on <laughs> so. the leather. But um, how many jackets they have? Did, did they take like fifteen of them? Or no, did they just, just the ones they had on their on, on their okay, back. Okay. Yeah, I thought they were carrying them, running with it. So 
anyway, I end up getting arrested. You know, I get a vehicular assault, all this stuff. And um, did you get your jackets back? I did. I ripped it off of him and took it. Walked inside. You should have seen it because everyone in the mall sees what's going on. As I walk in the mall, I got this ripped up coat underneath my arm, and people are just like watching me, like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> round of applause or no? It was like no, no round of. I can't. They might have. They might have. I, I remember a crowd of people like watching me walk. It was like they spread. Like they opened the. It was like gladiator. <laughs> like here he comes. <laughs> He was still Everyone's in the, he was still in the car. It was wild. <laughs> <laughs> Just drove it right through back to the mall. Um, yeah, no, but I it was bad. I mean, I got arrested, and I don't want to glorify that. You know what I'm saying? No. Like, I'm just saying it's like it, it was happens. a situation where I was young, hot headed, and I wasn't thinking clearly. Now, once I went through spending all that money and you know the problems that it created. I mean, I think things a little bit differently. You know, I, yeah. I definitely wouldn't be that hot-headed. I would have caught him earlier before the car. I would have, you know, I would have tased him. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was uh, that was that was a, a, a big experience in my life, you know. But I, I'll tell you, is uh, a few people came through. I had somebody pay for my lawyer. Uh, he read it in the paper, and he calls me up. This guy who actually ended up being becoming my partner in one of the clubs. He's like. Uh, I, can't, I I really respect what you did, man. That's the, the most gangster shit I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. He's like, I love it. And he's like, who's your lawyer? And I hired this guy, Pete McGinnis. I don't, I don't have criminal lawyers. This guy's a real estate attorney. My dad calls him, he's his friend. He's like, oh my God, my son needs a lawyer, you know? He calls Pete McGinnis. Pete McGinnis, like, he's, he doesn't know what the hell's going on. So he asked me for a $3,500 retainer to go to the court that night to get me, basically get me ROR'd, released on my own recognizance. And, um, I give him a check for 3,500 and my buddy Ray calls and he says, uh, you know, who's your lawyer, blah, blah, blah. I was like, Pete, he's like, who the hell is that guy? He goes, no, you're going to Tendi and Cantor. You go over there, he's on retainer. Ray was like into some other things, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was a big guy and like, he's got a lawyer on retainer, a criminal lawyer on retainer. So um, he says, go to him. I'll take care of it. He goes, I, this is the best story I've ever heard in my life. So I go, he was right across from the mall. And I remember walking in this guy's office, he's got this big table, and I'm like, I feel like you know, I'm in like a mob scene, you know? I'm like, yeah, I got this one guy, he's an, an investigator, he's sitting at the table with us, two lawyers, a secretary, all these things, and they're just like, okay, tell us what happened. Tell us the story, exactly how it happened. And then we'll figure it out from there. Yeah. I tell him exactly all the details, even the ones I didn't tell you. And, <laughs> <laughs> and come to find out, so what happened on the scene was the cops, now this investigator finds out the cops, and I remember hearing it, this guy comes running up, I seen the whole thing, I'm a cop. So uh. right at the scene, what they do is they, they only take his statement. They don't even ask me for what happens at the scene. You know, they asked me later, but it was a little bit different how they asked me. It was like they were setting me up, they're saying, oh, you were probably really upset that he took your jacket, is that why you chased him? And I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> I need to call my dad, you know, let me talk to a lawyer. And then that was it. Yeah. But the story this guy says is, I seen him overtake him. Like the way they said it was like, he seen me coming down the off ramp, like chasing him and overtaking him, which I knew was a lie. I knew he came from the corner. And honestly, it really kind of was an accident. You know, like as much as it, we laugh and joke about it, it wasn't like I just chased him down, you know, and ran him over. He came from the side. It just so happened I was the car that was there and I just, Miss the break, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to word this perfectly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but um, come to find out, this guy, 
he was a cop, but he was thrown off the force, right? He's thrown off the force, and uh, he was, there's a mental institution in Newburgh. This guy was on weekend leave from that mental institution. Oh, my god! And he had a crackhead prostitute in the car with him. At the time? At the time. Holy shit. So you got the word of me, you know, the young entrepreneur in the mall whose dad's Poughkeepsie Man of the Year. Uh, Just so you know, when it made the papers, my dad was front page Poughkeepsie of the Year. Three pages in. Frank Flowers Shut arrested up. for it was crazy. You have that framed in, frame in my house. I have it framed in my house. I do. That's it. Yo, that's I awesome. it framed. Yeah, I had it up in my apartment. I have it now. It's in my drawer, but it's it's framed. It is because I, you can't make that one up. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, but that just shows like how, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's a little wild in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> yeah, it gets crazy. It gets a little crazy. Yeah. So, um, so where are we at? So yeah, we get the lawyers. I get you know, I ended up getting. I did get, I know, about a year of going back and forth to court and this and that. Mm -hmm. But once they figure out that it was an accident, you know, they gave me community service, which I got very fortunate, you know. Think about where my life would be right now if I did seven years in jail. Oh, man. Right? I'm a different person. First of all, I'm a connector, right? So now you're going to go put me in a prison with all these guys that have all the bad connections? I'm gonna run the freaking. I'm gonna run a city in a different way. I'm gonna come out like El Capo. That's a funny way to look at it. Yeah, <laughs> but you're probably serious. right. You're gonna make connections in there and Frankie Cocaine. You yeah. heard of me? Something. <clears throat> so my father, I find out later in life, I have a cousin that's almost the same age as me. My cousin was in the streets big time. Hmm. I mean, he did spend a lot of time in prison for murder, and he was in the drug game and all that stuff. And it was my dad's brother, his son, and we were, we were literally only a few days apart. They kept us apart on purpose. I remember my cousin told me, he's like, they wouldn't let us get together because he knew with me being a businessman and him being that street hustle, it would have been a whole different world out here. It would have been like, you know, Sopranos times 20, yeah. you know? And I just that's just how my mind thinks. Yeah. Like, I see an opportunity and I'm all over it. And I'm not coming at 10 miles an hour, it's 100 miles an hour, you know? And I'm just like, bang, bang, bang. Like Frankie always wears a tracksuit because he's running. I'm always the running, that's why we got I the stripes on. I have a feeling if he did go to prison and become a, a, a boss, he'd still be wearing the same I have shit. a tracksuit. They'd be like, aren't you supposed to have orange on? I was you like, yeah. funny too? Yeah, I smuggled in a tracksuit. So I'm gonna expose you myself. Have Frankie, track I always thought you were of Spanish descent. No. You're Russian. No. Tracksuit, bro. Yeah. Tracksuit. <laughs> yeah. Did you see my text I put in here? I wanted people to guess his nationality. Uh, so they could have fucking... Well, they no guess the I thought you were Spanish don't vanish, but you're black don't crack, bro. No, black don't crack, man. No, my mother is Russian. Yeah. She, well, she's passed That's away. That's where the tracksuits come Russian. from. No, well, actually, uh, there's a good story behind that tracksuit. Uh, and then my dad's, my dad's mother was half black, half Italian, and his father's black. So we're like, say black Russian Italian. I'm like a salad dressing. You know, like, <laughs> I got a black <laughs> Russian dressing. Yeah, yeah. It does sound like a dressing. It's a good combination. Call me oh, shit. because I'm dressing. Just, yeah, you know, that's it. Um, I'll give you a quick story about the tracksuit, right? Since we brought that up. Sure. So just to let everyone know, if you ever see Frankie Flowers, that's what he's wearing <laughs> at all times. How many times. you got, 30, 50, 100? Uh, about 50, yeah, yeah, I think about 50, yeah. I mean, I got quite a few. Yeah, but I uh, love it. I wish I do have a few other things I still wear, and I have a closet full of other stuff. But um, the reason why I actually had a clothing store at the time when I started wearing these, so I had tons of clothes, and I used to like I love clothes. I gave away a ten by thirty storage unit full of outfits that I had, like when I wore once or twice. One day I'm driving, I picked up five thousand from someone, and I had to go drop it off. 
$5,000 cash. Cash. I was wearing a pair of shorts and I just had it in my pocket. And now you know shorts are like short pockets and everything else. So a guy calls me. I was looking at a piece of property up in Millbrook. And he's like, oh, I got this price. He's like, I got the keys. Let's go look at it. So I'm like, all right, fine. Turn around. Now, now I got the cash on me. I go look at this house. Then he's like, let me show you this other one real quick. So we go look at another one. And uh, this is the time when I was looking for a house for my wife. We were like trying to figure out where we we're going to live, everything else. So then finally, I'm heading back into Poughkeepsie and I'm driving down the arterial highway. I can remember exactly where I was. I was uh, right before North Hamilton Street. And I, I just, for some uh, reason, I put my no. hand in my pocket and I'm like, it's Don't not there. Don't tell me. So now everything's running through my head. Where was I? Blah, 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 blah. I called the guy and I said, I got to get back in the house really quick. And, um, this is hilarious. So I tell him, he's like, okay, I'll meet you at the house. Now the front of this house has a, a big like hill and it was raining, right? It's raining at the time, so everything's muddy. When I get there, now you could go around the back, but it's the, the back way of the house to get there, but it takes like an extra five minutes. I see tire tracks up through this thing. This guy, he's trying to get there ahead of me to find the 5,000. Oh, you said, you told him? I told him, I said, I dropped oh, five grand no. at the, I think in your house. So um, I was like, I was so pissed off. I don't know. You know, I ended up losing Frankie, five I grand. lost $100 in Cancun five years ago. I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. I couldn't imagine mm. misplacing five grand. Well, it's worse because it's like, say you give me 5000 I got to give it to you, right? So I basically picked it up from you. Now it's in my possession. I'm responsible for it, right? And I got to give it to you. So in somewhere in between, I lose it. So now what? I have to come up with 5000 So really, it's like a $10,000 swing. So I'm out of my mind. So... After I lose that, I literally that day I called my wife. I was on the way. Wait, I you went. didn't get it at the house, or he stole? Did, did the guy take no, it? No, I don't know if he found it. Whatever it was, but you but never found it. I looked everywhere, never found the money. Oh, shit. Um, until later, actually, I'll tell you what happened. So uh, that day, I call my I call my wife right after that. I went right to after I go pick up the cash and give it to who I had to give it to. Mm -hmm. I go to the Galleria Mall and I'm looking for something with zippers on the pockets. And what do I find? Lo and behold. Suit. Not only zippers on the pockets, but on the jacket too, mm -hmm. you know? I was like, perfect. I call her, I say, empty my closet, go get some bins, everything, all For of my sale. clothes, put them in bins, we're getting rid of them. <laughs> I bought all of them at finish line, every tracksuit they had in my size, all colors, black, blue, red, green, everything. I went home, had her hang them all up in the closet. So now I got all these Adidas tracksuits, right? And it's just like, perfect. I'm never losing nothing again. Zippers, zip everything up, zip, zip, zip. I might, and I to might this day, steal, you're still doing that. Still I might steal it. that from you. You are an extremist. So That is crazy. Well, that's where that, that, yeah. that thinking is, right? 100 miles an hour. Yeah. It works. So now at my father's funeral, right? Now this is uh, 2015. My dad's funeral, uh, Reverend Bottoms, he's up there and he's talking. And he's saying black and white. My dad would wear black and white shoes all the time. Uh, and uh, it got me thinking. I said, black and white. Here I am. I'm black and white. You know, and it was all about bringing it together. Black mm. and white, black and white. And I just started thinking to myself, you know what? I want it to mean something. You know, even, even the clothes that I wear, I want something to mean something. And it touched me so much what he said. I say, that's what I'm going to do. I'm only going to wear the black and white now because it's about unity, you know, bringing it together, you know, like, because wow. we're living in, in, the, in a world where it's like, we need to have one another and we need to lean on one another, no matter what we are. Mm. I don't care, black, white, yellow, green, I, you know, we all got to figure it out and look out for one another. And that's, that's, that's where it came from, the black and white, you know, it's like, because of my father's black and white shoes, that's where I wear the black and white Adidas suit. And I will tell you this, it is the, 
one of the best things I've ever done in my life because it makes it life simpler. You know how busy my day is? I don't oh, yeah. have to think about what the hell I wear. Oh, yeah. I get up, it's like a uniform. And then, you know, going through life, you would, I'd hear simple things. Like I remember Tommy Hilfiger. They're like talking about Tommy Hilfiger. I heard a story. He always wore jeans and a t-shirt or whatever it is. Here's a multi-billion, you know, millionaire, billionaire, whatever the hell he is. Always wearing the same thing. Mark Zuckerberg. You know, all these people that really have like so much to give to this world and so much to do. It's like, you don't have to think about it. It's like a uniform, right? right? It becomes yeah. a uniform, but it's kind of a cool uniform. You know like what I'm saying? It. How you doing? You know, so, and then like, so like during when I'm playing poker, it was awesome. In uh, 2017, I was ahead in the World Series of Poker. ESPN was following me around. They loved me. They were like, they, they, they had the cameras on me the whole time. I mean, I'm, I'm kissing dealers. I'm like, you know, holding babies. <laughs> like, we're doing <laughs> We gotta get some of that footage. Yo, what Yeah, if you go on world? YouTube, yeah, you'll see like some of it. Frankie Flowers what? kissing the dealer. And he was like, he was, it was a guy too. I didn't, I was gonna kiss the girl, but I was like, they were, you know, yeah, they might you get in trouble for that. Oh my God. Yeah, it was wild. But that when I get bust, I, um, or so it was day four, World Series of Poker, I'm chip leader. I had over two million in chips, blah blah blah. They're like Frankie Fire, blah blah blah. So people back home following me on Facebook are like wearing tracksuits, saying Bro. we support you, Frankie Flowers. Like, like it's my brand. I don't yeah, even, I don't thing. own Adidas, you know. But it was like, I really thought it was the coolest thing. And everyone's like, oh, you got to call Adidas and have them sponsor you, you know? Like, what the hell? But um, I didn't know there was. So I can't much believe you have a made your own tracksuit. Yeah, yeah, I know. I can't right? believe you didn't do it your own. I. I yeah, I was thinking that, but this is already made. Yeah. It'd be a lot expensive. It'd be expensive <laughs> to come up with one, but I probably should actually. <laughs> now you're thinking about it. Hey, I'd well, buy it. Yeah, there you go, Frankie Flowers. Tracks. I'd even let you. Sponsor I'm amazed one of our because episodes. everything you've ever wanted to do, you're like, oh, I want that. I'll make a business out of it. Yeah. So that's why. Well, that's just, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. With every business that I did, I thought about where I spend my money. That's why I buy more houses. I had an apartment, and I thought, like, why do I keep giving these people all my money? Mm. Let me buy my own house mm -hmm. so I can start paying myself, you know? Let me buy a multifamily, start collecting rent. And then, oh, I like clothes. Let me open a clothing store. You know, like it's, yep. I, was, I bought a barbershop once, but I never really, it never materialized. But I was like, nah, you know, it's just really, I only spend $30 at a, at a haircut, you know? Like, <laughs> I wanted stuff where I was spending thousands, you know, yeah. car dealerships. I, I was thinking about buying a car dealership at one point. But Steven beat me to that one, so, <laughs> and I didn't want to go against him. Let's know? talk about the real estate. So that's obviously a big, a big portion of your life now. And everyone who's into money or who starts to make a little bit of money wants to buy properties. That's like the go-to. It's go -to. the best thing you can do in the world. But you're yeah. leveraging it even, even more. So me and Frankie do a lot of business. I, yeah, we, we, yeah. I rent from him. I yeah. rent How apartments. many units? Three. Yeah, I rent three from from Tony. You but know, you and, and utilize I take more them even more. You uh, I Airbnb. Yeah. yeah. So like I learned at a young age, like you know, like I said about that uh, property. There's only so much of it that it's like you know, get the property. And one of the things that I was told by the German guy that I bought one of my multifamilies from, I remember he said, "Don't ever get attached to it, though. Be able to sell it at any time. If the the market is high." Do not be afraid to sell it. You know, like if you can sell it and make a huge profit and invest that into two smaller ones where you're making just as much money, if not more, that's that's a good thing because that eventually that market goes up and down. You know, it's right. like so you catch it on the, the low end. And the very property that this man sold me was 298 Mill Street. I paid $157,000 for it. What size? It was, uh, it had one, two, three, four, five apartments in it. Oh my. Yeah. Five apartments. I'll give it. you three hundred for right now. No, so I sold it back in two thousand nine for uh, for three hundred 
for oh, three hundred thousand. And that was after the crash. Yeah, it, no, it was right, or it was right before two thousand eight. It was right before. It was like right during it, towards the end, where it's like three hundred thousand. So you got out at a good time. I I, I sold everything in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Everything before, right before it happened. I, I'm wow. the luckiest guy. That, I was gonna say, is that luck or did that? Well, you know? I pay attention to a lot of different things, right? And I started when I was in Home Depot, and I started seeing like the average person in there, like remodeling their home and like talking about flipping houses. I was like, too many people are involved. When too many people are getting involved in the, one idea, it's gonna flatline. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, you know. Like when I open up a clothing store, all of a sudden now there's six or seven other clothing stores it's gonna be over soon. Because yeah. there's only so much, you know, you can't, not everyone can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a few people coming in and do, like buying up and selling and everything like that, it's great. But now all of a sudden, you got four or 500 people doing the same thing. Right. Now it's, it's, first of all, now you're paying more, right? Because I'm fighting you to try to get the property. Yeah, property. Sure. I'm not just, you know, it's not just the three of us doing it. So we're paying more money. Now it's, you know, we gotta get it fixed up and then we gotta sell it. It's just the market gets saturated. So that's what, that's what I'm, and I don't know how I thought of that. I just said, I was like, I was in Home Depot. I can remember seeing these people in there and talking to them, people that I knew that were not flippers. And they're like, you know, this guy's a chef. This one's, you know, this and that. And they're like, I was like, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, we bought a house to fix up. We're going to sell it. I was like, oh, I got to get the fuck out of this business. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, everybody's doing this. And sure enough, it was like by 2008, I had my last property listed at that time. And then, um. I sold it all in everything I sold for almost double, if not triple. It's That's funny. incredible. You see yeah. a lot of that Crushed in COVID. Crush happening too. So yeah. and then a bad sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then I was like, I basically was playing the poker full time and I was making a ton on my my social club, right? And then uh what else did we do? I mean, I had a lot of different I I'd make investments in anything. Mm-hmm. Like if I see something where there's money, I'll throw you know, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, million, whatever it takes. All I right. did throw a million dollars. How are you managing all of this? So okay, wait. You're owning. Well, finish your question, but I think there's a huge part we're missing too. <laughs> you're doing so many things. You have your hands in so many things. Yeah. What is what? It, what is? I mean, what is the day to day like? What? Yeah. And what, ready is on top of all of this. Frankie's got four kids. Yeah. Yeah, four kids. Yeah. How did you manage that? Yeah. Well, those were. It was fun producing them <laughs> <laughs> that is the fun part that's the fun part then they come you're like oh shit <laughs> well first you do yeah then but i come. love the kids first you come then they come <laughs> yeah so uh we'll go we'll go into that so when i was 20 years old well actually i was 19 at the time when i, I got this girl pregnant mm-hmm. and uh danielle we were only together for like a month oh and my yeah it was in between a relationship with this girl tanya tanya i dated for a couple years we break up i meet danielle we date for like a month uh, we break up. I was never in love with her. She was never in love with me. It was just pure fun, you know, whatever it was for that month. And then uh, Tanya and I kind of ended up back together. Danielle calls me one day and she's like, we got to talk. I was like, oh, I knew right away. Mm. I was like, all right, let me meet you like in the back alley. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> At the top of the stairs. No, I just started a new business. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just, I, I had to do that. I was like, sorry. So I was like, all right, let me, let's meet up. And we talked. She's like, you know, I missed my period, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you know, whatever you want to do. And this was, I was like, always a big believer in that. It's like, you, you know, telling someone what to do with their body is like 
uh, it's just a no-no for me. I can't, like I said, if you want to keep the baby, I'll support the baby. If you want to have an abortion, then that's what you do. You know, like I'm going to support you either way. And I thought at that age, that's pretty mature of a 19 year old kid. You know, like for I sure. thought that was, but I grew up fast, you know, and um, she was on the fence about it. Her parents were like, oh my God, literally were booking the abortion. And then oh she didn't want to do it. That's and then they didn't want to do it. It was like, it was all over the place. And finally yeah. I said her to her, I said, listen, you can't keep telling me you're going to have a child and then plan an abortion. You can't do that either way. Pick one. And I, and I, I hope even if my son sees this or she sees this or whatever, that she doesn't think, I'm not trying to put her under the bus like that because we're, we're kids and nobody knew what to say right. or do. I mean, who, who really knows the right thing to do in this world, right? right. We're guessing constantly. We're just hoping it's always the right one. And at one point I, I thought having an abortion might, might've been the best thing too, but she decides to keep it and then boom, you know, I end up with Brandon, my son, my firstborn son, man. It's like unbelievable. But now what comes with that responsibility, mm. right? So it's like uh, now I'm working harder. It's like my mind is thinking more. Like I can't just have enough money for me. Now I need to be able to support my kid, bring him food and everything else. So now the ex-girlfriend, the one that was the in-between, I dated for two years, loses her mind because this girl, you know, she and we were in love with each other at some point. And this girl that you don't even know is having your baby it was like, you know, she's chasing me around the house with a butcher knife ready to cut, you know, oh cut off. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. But Frank. instead, what does she do? She gets pregnant. So at 21 years old, a kid that grew up with his mother and father, wasn't together, swore the only thing I ever wanted to do was get married first, have kids, because I wanted to give my, I was, I would like hate the fact that my father wasn't with my mother. And oh. I hated that growing up, you know, thinking it was so bad when in reality, it's probably good, but uh, the I, way it shaped you, the yes. way it shaped but I don't me. think your circumstance. Maybe it's a little different for everybody, you yeah. know. But here it is. I'm 21. I have two kids. I'm like I'm working at Pizza Hut, making 4.75 an hour, barely getting by. I have my own apartment. After having the four dollars and seventy five cents an hour. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm eating ramen noodles and pizza. Like I'm eating at work. That's mm. like how I'm how I'm surviving. And I have two children. Now I got to figure life out. I remember I what made you go to the job though you were always making money weren't you making money before so yeah no that was when I was a kid but then I started working when I was 15 okay yeah you we, almost it, got we, skipped, we skipped trap. some stuff here yeah we've yeah. been going we, back and we, forth we, a we bit. went all over a little bit but uh yeah I started getting a job like at 15 I worked at uh Marshall's and then I went to Sizzlers then I went to Pizza Hut okay and then uh you know I had these little jobs doing all these different things Pizza Hut I started as a dishwasher within a year I was the store manager wow yeah dishwasher cook waiter front end manager and then the guy who took me out uh to be a district manager and he started and when I this is when I quit the place he's he brought me out and this, actually my boss Gene Beaver he said to me he goes what would you change if you were in her shoes like she's my boss and I thought about that question, right? And I'm like, why is he asking me that? Because he wants me to take her spot. I said, I wouldn't change anything. I think Jean's the best at her position. And when I went home that that day, I was like, I, this isn't for me. You realize is, you were you were. This in is the, cutthroat. This is like this isn't what I want to be. Yeah. yeah. And Jean's my friend. I'm not about that. And I probably could have did a better job than her, but that's not what it's about for me, you know. And uh, yeah, so 21 years old, two kids. You know, and at the time uh, with her, I was so mad she got pregnant because I thought she's taking the pill with my daughter, Miranda. Um, I thought she's taking a pill because I'm like, oh, I can't 
I'm making $4.75 an hour. I got one child with a girl I don't know. Now I'm gonna have two kids. Like, how are we gonna do this? I'm gonna be like homeless. I'll be dead, you know? Like, what is gonna, what's gonna happen here? So we ended up not dating through like the end of her pregnancy. And I ended up meeting this girl, Lisa. You know, she's like the bomb, blonde bombshell at the time. You know, it was hot. I was like, wow, oh, this is it. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Wild, great sack. Everything's just oh amazing, God. you know? And, um, but uh, the reality sunk in when I had those two kids, you know? And then Lisa and I were in an argument. We break up. And I thought it was the end of my world. I was like, I can't keep a relationship. I got two kids. I got no money. What am I doing with my life? I'm a failure. Mm. I destroyed my life. Why did I do this to myself? I swore I want to get married first. So what do I do? I drive out to that Mid-Hudson Bridge, drive right out there, parked on the Highland side, and walked out to the center of that bridge. And I remember sitting there and um, thinking, I'm like, I, I don't want to live anymore. That oh was it, God. man. That was the end of my life. I was done. And then I, I didn't have enough balls, though. I wasn't doing that. You know, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I ended up walking back to my car. I was like, I'm looking over the edge. I'm scared. I'm like, I can't do this. I was like, my knees are shaking. I get back in my car. And then um, a little time goes past, and maybe it's like a month or two later, and I get into another big argument with Lisa, a big fight with her. And this time I drive out to that bridge, and I run out to the center of that bridge, Holy and shit. I'm done. I'm like, I've had it. I, I'm like, I have no money. I'm broke. Like, I'm not seeing my kids. I'm not talking to my daughter at the time. Like, everything's miserable. I'm like, I feel like I'm a failure. I, I ruined my family's name. Everything about me. I destroyed bottom. it. Rock bottom. Done. I run out to that thing, and I'm like ready just to hurl myself over that thing. And I just said, what's going to happen after I actually jump here? What am I, like, what, just think about this for a second. I was like, well. My, my mom's probably gonna think it was her fault, right? She grew up drinking, alcoholic and everything else. It's probably gonna kill her. My dad's gonna be like, probably like destroyed. I knew my dad loved me, you know, even though he wasn't around every day. He's the weekend dad, whatever it was, but I knew he loved me. So I'm probably gonna hurt them really bad. He's probably gonna wonder like, what did I do? And then I thought about the people that are probably not gonna care was like Lisa. She's probably gonna be dating somebody by the time they do have the funeral or find my body, you know? So like, I can't do it for her. So, and then I was thinking about my kids. I was like, now they gotta grow up without the father. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, like, how can I do this? Like, I, it was like, the whole reason was to be a dad and like, I'm not even giving them the opportunity. Mm. So uh, I remembered a movie and I don't know why that popped in my head. That's why I said movies had such a big play in my life. Yeah. There was a, it was like a, almost like a comedy skit thing where a guy dies and he goes to heaven and God says, we made a mistake. We got to put you back. And they were like trying to find different people to put him in the person that like, they were like, you can, they, they knew somebody was going to die, but instead of having that person die, they were going to let you jump in their body and then live the rest of your life. So they gave him a couple different options of who they can be. <laughs> and it was like a funny movie. I'm trying to remember who was in it, but that pops in my head. So what I said to myself, and I can remember so clear, was like, you know what? I'm gonna kill the old Frank. This is it. I'm changing, my, I'm gonna jump off this bridge in my mind. Mm. But I'm gonna get off of this bridge, I'm gonna go down, and I'm gonna start my life over. Mm. And I'm gonna be, but I'm, I'll be in my same body, but I'm gonna like, I've already have like 
who I am. At the time, I was in good shape too. I was sexy. I was hot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> couldn't waste all that. I had a nice gold chain. Couldn't I had a nice car. Yeah, I couldn't waste it all. I was like, man, what? You know, I got so much potential. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Frankie, you are hysterical, bro. I love it. I love it. So I go down, and this I, is your awakening. My awakening, man. I take off like a bat out of hell, and that's why I said I became a millionaire at a young age because, like, I was broke right then. You know, like I was, I, I had stopped like the the hustle, like the, the stuff I was doing in high school because I regular, I just got the regular job because I, I played sports in school. You know, I was doing different things, and I just kind of stopped who I was doing when I was with my my living with my mother. But um, I go down and I started selling T-shirts out of a bucket. Um, and I was working at Color Time Rentals. I remember it's, that's like a, a rent a center. You know, mm. they rent furniture. And I was the best at that too. Everything I did, I was like the best at. You know, the number one accountant, best repo man, like everything. <laughs> best repo man. <laughs> he was a repo man too. And I'm carrying a bucket of t shirts that I'm, I buy in for like two to three dollars and I was selling them for seven. And every day I'd sell like five, 10 t shirts. So you're talking an extra 50, 60 bucks. And then my dad sees he takes me to the bowling alley selling t shirts, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, I'm sitting up on a street corner over by Dutchess College with, with a little table selling T-shirts, then sweatshirts. The next thing you know, I got four tables. I'm selling sunglasses, jeans, jackets, all this stuff, and it gets bigger and bigger. Next thing you know, I got tents, a van, all this stuff. And then I move into the store. Yeah. Then I meet my wife, Lida. You know, I meet her at the bank, and like instantly, once we connected, it was even like a bigger high. When a man has a woman in his corner that supports him and gives her, like like submits to him, there is no cap as to what he can become. Mm. No cap. He is, he can be the biggest, the best of, the, of having anything. He's the king. But you know what? You gotta make her the queen too. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's it's really become like you're the king of the castle, but she's your your backbone. She was yes. my solid, my rock, man. Like I couldn't believe like what my potential you know, like what when I was you have able to do. At your back. Why when I knew I can trust her. I knew it was their loyalty, the honesty, and she gave it all to me, man. And all she said to me was like, I wanna be a wife and a mother. And I told her, I said, you work with me for, I figured it out. Like when we started and I went to the mall, I said, if you just give me another two years out of this, you'll never have to work again. Mm. And in two, it was less than two years. We, it was like home, working on the baby, bought the new house. She said, I want hardwood floors in the kitchen and washer and dryer upstairs. I don't care where, where it's at, what it is. It could be a hut. <laughs> I went over, I see a brand new house. We walk in, hardwood floors washer and dryer upstairs i was like you like it she's like Done. yeah i love it Done. the guy's in yeah. there he didn't even put on the market i said this is for sale he goes yeah i said I'll, t I'll take it he's like do you want to ask me how much it is so i was like oh yeah how much is that <laughs> <laughs> all right hold up now we gotta go back the, the story you just told about being on the bridge yeah and you telling yourself frank is gonna jump off just the old frank and it's gonna be the new one now yeah that is in a powerful story. I've heard I've heard people talk about this before, and people talk about having an alter ego like Deion Sanders. When he walked in the field, he was prime time. He wasn't Deion Sanders anymore. David Goggins talks about it all the time. There's David Goggins, and then there's Goggins. Mm. Goggins is the guy who's going to run 200 mile marathons. And what you just said there, where you killed that man and you became a new person that day, it's amazing how powerful our minds are to just create a new reality yeah the mo you've been able to do that 
the, the whole time you're working at pizza, the whole time you're broke, the whole time you're struggling, you could have done at any moment. And as soon as you decided that that's what it was, this whole new reality comes to you and you are just creating everything on a daily basis now, ever since that day, you know, you've created everything you want. You just said you first house you walk into, she wants these two things. Boom. Reality. These two things are here. You know, let's take it. It's incredible matter what, what it you costs. can do. You could just create your own world if you just decide you can, you know, you were talking before about how people call you a narcissist. I made a video on my Instagram, like three weeks ago, maybe I dropped it. I was talking about fuck being humble. It's like the definition of being humble is thinking less of oneself. I get it. You don't go around and telling everyone how fucking cool you are and how you're the big baller and all this stuff. But you gotta, you gotta believe that you're the man, you're the guy, you can make it happen. And that's also why your wife is the queen because you're the king. You can't be a queen to a, to a, a, yeah, a to nobody. A yeah, yeah, you can't, you know, it's gotta be a king and a queen. So let's go back to that point now. I just had to go back and state that cause it's incredible, but let's go back to the king and queen now. Yeah. So you, you you find this woman and that's another Amazing. stepping stone of how you just take it to the next level. Took it to the next level, like out of the world. Out of the ballpark. I remember, and like I pay attention to everything, like I, 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 details, and I can remember hearing, like you know, when conversations and friends of mine, they'd see us together and like the how we lived, and they're like, "You guys are like unbelievable." It was like perfect, you know. It was so good. She was so dedicated, so loyal to me. I mean, it was like anything I needed. She was there. I'd run my poker club. I'd be there for like 40 hours straight. I'm like, I call at three o'clock in the morning. Honey, the guys need cigarettes. Can you stop by the diner, give them food? Within an hour, she's there. Like any time of the day, any time of the night. Hey, I need you to pick up this, blah, blah, blah. She was like, and she said it to me later. Once we got divorced, she was like, I was your goddamn errand woman, you know, <laughs> whatever it was. But I mean, at the time, that's what I needed. And she knew I needed that. So that's what she gave me, you know? You know, as you get older and like times change and you're into a relationship for 15, 16 years, it might may not be as easy. You know, things change a little bit. And it's not that like, you know, when a girl's in her 20s, she's like googly eyed and like do anything in the world for you. They hit their 30s. They start saying, yeah, I kind of like uh, figure out who I am a little bit. Their 40s. Uh, fuck you. This is my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to figure out what I love, you know? It seems like that seems like the, the natural way. It is. You know, and it's just, that's why, I mean, I'll be honest with you, that's why I think guys end up dating younger girls, you know, and then, you know, as it's just, it's just, an, it's just weird, you know? It's just, I don't know. Not for everybody, but that's just how it is with me. I ended up like looking for that. Like I wanted that girl who was like infatuated with me and was like willing to like, submit to me and say, cause I knew what I could do with it. I think there is something powerful there that a lot of people take the wrong way. So you said it like, and I'm in a similar situation, right? I have a girlfriend, mm -hmm. well, actually she's my fiance now. Yeah, you're having and, a baby? Not, I mean, it's, it's so, yes, and, <laughs> I, and I'm very excited any day now. Um, but first of all, our stories are similar in the way that, you know, John Flowers died on that, or Frank Flowers died on that bridge. Yeah, it's gone. The old Tony Capaletti died in a motorcycle accident. Yeah. Uh, I was a boy when I got in that accident and I'm a man now yeah. and I know what I'm about and I know my mission and my purpose. But not to get too far off track, talking about my fiance, we had a conversation about it and you used the word submit. And I think a lot of women think that submitting to a man and being their queen is a bad thing, but there's a dichotomy there that needs to exist because she can't be your queen unless you're the king. 
But if you're the king without a queen and a family to rule over, what are you the king of? Nothing. So it's like, it's so important to have the two dynamics there and you become so powerful when you understand that. Me and my, my fiance, we could achieve anything. Like the, the structure I have in my life now because of her, I'm doing everything I can to keep her around. You know, I got down on my knee and that's pretty hard with one fucking leg, but I did it. <laughs> Wait, which knee did you go down on? The, the, the go- yeah, I, I think it would have been better it. with the. They, they want to scratch, scratch the titanium. Fiber, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Thousand dollar scratch right there. That's awesome. But again, back to my point, it's just that like, I hate that nowadays it's like women don't want to be in that role. It seems, and I don't know if it's just because of age, but you did say like you know when she was in her twenties, she was infatuated, but maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. And, and you, I assume, were giving it back at the time. Oh, yeah. Like, anything she wanted, she got it. What do you want? You want? It, you need a car? No problem. You want it, You want this house? No problem. Right. Whatever it took. They, they could have told me a million dollars. Now too. I think it's because, and I keep saying it, here's my tinfoil hat, the fucking, the media and everything is pushing toward the opposite they don't want us to have that yeah because again and we're, and we're circling stronger. back together we're stronger and divided we're weak yeah yeah and it's not just the two different groups of people it's everyone like if you have someone at your back like that oh my god if i have the mental focus knowing everything in my house in my kingdom is taken care of by my queen i can go out and conquer all day long but if you don't have that well now you have a whole nother mess on your plate every single day that you need to take care of so you ever heard of the language of love, different languages of love? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's Physical a bunch touch of, and yeah, all these different things. Right. So like I heard of that and I, I mean, I thought about that too with, with us, like I'm a provider. So my way of showing love is providing for you, like giving you what you need, the, the essentials like you, okay, you need a car. Okay. You got a car, you need a house, you need to get your nails on, whatever it is. I'll take care of it. You want that kind of house, whatever it takes, you got it. Her way of showing it is okay. I'm going to love you. I'm going to clean up. You know, I'm going to make sure the house is clean. When you come home, I'm going to cook you dinner. I'm going to provide you with children. You know, like this was her language of love for me. And it worked at the beginning. And I think what tore us apart, though, is like, I think you have to adapt still. I think you still, as you grow, you, you have to, you know, change a little bit, which unfortunately, like a guy, me, I feel like I'm the same person my whole life. Like mm. I'm not, as much as I mean, I have changed like a lot of like how I think, but I, I still feel like I'm with the same way. But I think women definitely change like the At way- a faster rate. Yeah, I don't know. Do There's something that culture? happens. I don't know, man. I will just say it's just like- I mean, look at new culture. Look at women in entertainment now. Oh, remember back in the day when we had like hip hop queens and they were like respectable and mm. look at the female hip hop artists now. Mm. Dis- like crazy. It's gross. I know. If I was a young 18 year old, I used to like love seeing that nasty stuff. But now it's like, Jesus, where's your father? Yeah. yeah. All of them. Well, I think there's a lot of elements we can go back to about the marriages. And I'm so interested in this because I think the number now is 83% divorce rate. When you get married, there's an 83% chance that it's going to go south. And there's a lot of different attributes, I think, what you said about just the way culture has has cultivated it Mm. and what it's supposed to be like and women more power in the relationship, whatever it is, right? Yeah. I think there's another element of if you give in showing her love like that, you always have to continue to do more and more bigger and badder things to keep them interested because eventually it becomes the same old shit. Yeah, I've had a Mercedes Benz. I got the Mercedes Benz. Okay, great. What's next? You know, what's next? So after five, 10, 15, 20 years of that, that's just their normal. And Jeff Bezos' wife 
when they got divorced, she's married to Jeff Bezos, the king of the world. Most money you could possibly buy. Most money you could possibly get. She divorces him and dates a math school teacher. Crazy, right? The complete opposite. Goes from $200 billion to, to $60,000 a year, <laughs> right? Yeah, then they're together. The money. Hold up. They're together. Dude had a ruler. And then she divorces him. She doesn't want to be with him either. So oh, what's that. the, I don't know, what's the story there? What Wait, does that all mean? All that means is, you know, you can't ever make a woman happy. Listen, it's not easy. It's hard. And I think it's a, this, yeah. there could be a podcast that goes on for days Just about, about it. That. Do you know about but marriage? Like how long it existed? It's, I think it's only about 1500 years. I don't really? know if you've ever, you ever looked that up. Yeah. Marriage hasn't always been. You know, like it's all what we only know what we've been taught, right? Mm -hmm, right. And what we've mm -hmm. learned. But marriage hasn't been around forever. And I, I, I think marriage, what it used to be was like to say, if I have a kingdom, you have a kingdom, you have a son, I have a daughter. We bring it together to bring us together. And like, because we can provide that. You can, we make us stronger. Like joining a family. Instead of not, love. Now it's like love. But I mean, like, what the hell? What is that really? You know, how do you know you're in love at 20 years old? You don't know what love is, right? You don't know what real, all of that stuff is. You, you have the feelings, like you got the jitters and the, the nice, fuzzy, warm feelings and all that other good stuff. Things filled with right. blood. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was trying good. to say yeah. it in a, a PG-13 way, but yep. yeah, it is it's a just, crazy commitment. It's a lot of commitment, you know? I mean, it's just, um, I think that it's just changed so much and the ideas have changed. Now, you know what parents are teaching their daughters? how to be independent. All these girls are learning how to be independent, not to be a housewife. Nobody's teaching these girls how to cook at home and, and do all these things. They don't, you meet a girl now, and you know, I watch some of these things sometimes, and I remember these girls saying how, oh, I need a, a high quality man, high quality this and that, and he's gotta be this, and all these, these things. And they're like, okay, well, what do you have to offer? Like, what, what do guys, what what do, what do we get from a woman? What do we really get from a woman? What do we want from a woman? I tell you what I want. I want a girl that hasn't been ran through, right? Right. You, nobody wants that. No guy. And these girls think it's, it's like okay in their twenties to go run around and do this and that with guys that are probably out of their league. Most of them, you know, because not every guy is out here banging all you know sleeping with girls. There's only a small percentage of them. Most guys True. aren't doing that. You know, they think that that's what's happening, but it's there's like only the a few of them. Five percent of the yeah, guys who are getting all the are girls. sleeping with all of them. Yeah. And these girls are thinking that they're like, oh, this I'm with this hot guy, this and that, that I'm all that in a bag of chips until all of a sudden. Oh, he's gone with another girl. Oh, and then she goes to another one. Oh, he's with another girl. They're not doing it. They're just doing it to get their not like they're just having fun. You know, the guys are just having fun. Where these girls think that these guys are into them, and it's not even like that. So it's like, oh, how do you fix that problem? You know, you got to teach these girls. It's a at cultural age. issue, man. Cultural issue. But then it's like we got to teach them. It's like I, I think me personally. I mean, you still me having daughters. I want my daughter to be a. I want her to. I don't ever want her to have to worry about having to depend on somebody. So, but I would also like her, if she's going to be in a relationship, to be fully committed. You know, like you have to be able to um, submit to someone if that's the case. You have to be able to, like, if you really want to be in love with someone as a female, you got to be able to let your walls break down. All right. And if you get hurt, you get hurt, but you're prepared for that. 
if it happens. But what are you going to do? That's what you teach, though, to the to your daughter. You got to teach her. Yeah, is that part. I'm trying. Vulnerable and then be strong. Yeah, in your vulnerability. Be strong, but also be vulnerable. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, and and just with a a guy too, with my son. You know, he's in love now. He wants to get married, all that stuff. But I was just like, listen, you know, right now it's all fun again. You guys have a little apartment and everything else. So it's like you're making decent money, but. When she wants kids, as much as she says she wants you to show your emotional side, you got to remember, once you give up that and you break that wall down, you're not that strong man anymore in the back of her mind. They say they want you to show that emotion until you show it. Once you show it, now Mm. all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you're not this godly-like being that they envisioned you to be, right? Does that make sense? Listen, it's terrifying. All of that is terrifying. The whole dynamic it confuses me so much if you take back the lens and look at it a man and a woman married you're when you're dating you're going out to dinner you're having sex you're doing all the things that men and women do together now you get married and now it's like they become they become your partner in life like your bro we're going to make financial decisions together we're going to live together every single day we're going to take care of our kids together we're going to do all these things together for 15 20 years how how after 15 years do you keep it exciting how do you keep it to where it's not going to become dull or not you're not going to fight and there's not going to be all these all these negatives that come from it you know it's so normal to get into a marriage be partners for life and dude i get tired of him and he's my best friend i don't like you get tired of everyone you get tired of everyone in your life at a point and you're just because you love this person you're supposed to now say i'm going to be with you for 30 years we're going to spend every minute together i mean it's pretty hard to make that work with one person for 30 years. Well, you know? I think the problem is we live in a world of instant gratification and replacement, right? So if something's not working, you don't fix it. You yeah. fucking replace it. Yeah, you throw it out, you'll get a new one. And that's, that's what they learn. That these happens days. in relationships. No, Nobody wants to put the work in. They don't want to put the work in. But, I mean, I just experienced it. I mean, yeah, I've seen it. I was like, I was in a relationship and I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I actually was upset with her for it. I was dating a younger girl. And, uh, at first, I mean, I wasn't wholeheartedly into this thing at all. I'm like, what's, what's how's this going to happen? 49 years starts. old dating a girl in her twenties. I'm like, it's just fun, you know, whatever it is. And then towards the end, I started like actually really catching big feelings for this girl and then she says to me, like, you know, she felt like on eggshells the whole time. And instead of trying to figure it out, it was just the best thing was to do, like, end it. And where she probably had this great relief at the end, like, oh, I can't go back to that. But it was like, how do you, how do you not give us the opportunity? Like, I don't understand that. Is that what they learn now? Dude, like, it's I'm just like a throwaway society. Mm-hmm. I'll say you it know? again. Dude, there's too it's many a options. cultural problem. It's, I think it's a big problem of it is social media. It's like you just yeah. think you have all these fucking options, and if one thing doesn't work mm. out, on to the next. Well, on you to used to listen before social media. You lived in your town. Yeah. You had right. seven hot women in the town, yeah. right? And seven, you were competing for seven women. You got that woman, and that was the best you could yeah. find. That was now. It. Yeah, you go there's on your no DMs. Best. Yeah. Every time you scroll, there's someone yeah. hotter, more money, better. Yeah, and it's the same for men too with women because women, uh, women can pick a better guy pretty easily. Easy. If you're yeah. making a half a million and she's a hot woman, it's pretty easy for someone who's making five million, ten million to go scooper or a little bit taller, a little bit better looks, whatever it is. Yeah. So it's so freakishly competitive, and we live in a world where, like you said, the the shiniest thing is gonna win, the shiniest best object, and and it's very easy to replace in today's world. So. 
So you, you look at a $10 million yacht, right? Some guy owns a $10 million yacht. You know how hard he got to, had to work to get to that yacht? You only got to be as 19 years old and hot female, and you get on that same it's yacht. amazing. Right? You don't see no hot-looking guys on that yacht, unless the guy's gay. You know, he wants hot boys. <laughs> <laughs> then he might be on there. But I'm just saying is that I've heard that over and over again, how, like, a female can literally, like, a guy works his ass off, mm-hmm. you know, his whole life to prove to, or to get to where he has to go, where it's like or a, a female can literally use their beauty, yeah. you know, which I'm not knocking it for, but I'm just saying is, like, do we wow. really have the raw end of the stick here? I mean, we work our whole lives. So like when these girls are their hottest between like, you know, 19 to like 30 something and they're like they're at their prime, right? And they're out there doing whatever they want to do, having fun and everything else. And then it's like a guy finally gets to the point where he was broke. He didn't have nothing in his 20. Most of them. I mean, I was I had low I was loaded. I got I had it all, but I had the full package. <laughs> <laughs> we were, we were like Magic Mike on drugs. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Like triple X. Yeah. Oh, I was killing it, bro. I was like I used to have a sports car, right? When I met my wife, I had this uh the Mitsubishi 3000 GT Oh my god! It was and the, the hottest car out back then. It I was remember the hottest. When that the VR four, yeah. And I had the I had this little, you know, those little things that said "baby" on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I had the thing in the back of my window that said, um, "I like or says I like to have sex in every day that ends in Y." You know. <laughs> <laughs> I pull up to her house. I, I remember the day her dad walks out around the car, and I'm like trying to pull it off the back window. I was like, "Oh my god!" I used to have in the back of my Mazda six when I was 17 in high school. It said four doors for more horse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's great. That is a good one. I was an asshole. I was 17. I was broke then. So yeah, but we're you know most guys are broke. You know they don't they can't give you all these things. So now they finally get to that point when they're in their 35, 40 years old, and now it's like they got money. They're more distinguished. I think guys actually get better looking as they get older, right? Because they become more mature. And now it's like all those girls that are like that same age are like wondering why. Why don't you guys want to be together? Well. You know, we you guys tortured us in our 20s. Yeah. You guys were all dating those guys that were 35, 40 years old, tortured us and slept with all of our friends and did all this other crap. You wonder why we don't want you now. Like, what the hell? I don't want that. That's why I always stuck to like, you know, just certain kind of certain kind of girls like that was it. Relationships and marriage is such an interesting topic to me. It is. I swear to God, I can talk it's about tough. it forever. And how, because it's tough. Know, women are the they're the great decider. They decide who get the pass yeah, their jeans make, on. They make the rules. And who don't. They make you know, the rules. And unfortunately, a lot of these girls are deciding everyone. Yeah, well, not everyone, more, but yeah, it's totally different. It's a new world. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it is a new world. It's totally different, man. But yeah, the throwaway world, man, I don't like it. I don't, I mean, not to say that you shouldn't, like if things aren't working, you know, go somewhere else. If you've really tried. Yeah, you, know, you gotta if, put effort in. Even with my marriage. You can't just give up on shit. Yeah, neither, we both of us, we said we were trying, but we didn't really try. Of course. We could have, I could have, I think about that now sometimes. I'm like, I could have done some more, but I was like, man, you, you know have what? to want Whatever. it though, too. You got to want it. That's the problem. Yeah, you got to want it. But I tell you what, if I did work it out, I might not be doing what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. You right. know, I've touched so many lives in the last, you know, year, five years, 10 years, whatever it was. I've touched so many lives and probably changed some, like dramatically, yeah. like seriously, like took people that were homeless now living in a home, yeah. working. Being able to not only just take care of themselves, but their families, who now those kids are going to grow up, you know, learning how to work, learning how to provide, learning how to do things. So the stuff that we're doing now, forget about the next generation. This is like 10 generations from now where a lot of that stuff, we're a product of our ancestors. 
Yeah. You know, we're only in this position now because of stuff that people did hundreds of thousands of years ago. And it just kept growing and growing and learning and learning. And we've lost a lot of stuff along the ways. Mm -hmm. You know, like no, people can't go out in the ocean and look at the stars and say which way they're going anymore. Right. You know, years ago, they didn't have sonar. They didn't have like all these compasses and maps. They'd be like, okay, line it up. And then, you know, we go out in the ocean now. If you and I get out on the Hudson River, we can't get to Highland. You right. know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're like, wait, where? what size is the bridge Funny, on? It's true. <laughs> Google Maps literally runs my life. Bro. Yeah, I think about exactly. all the time. Listen, I'm young. I can't get home without Google Maps, and it's one road. Yeah, <laughs> I don't For know a real, teenager dog. that can read an analog clock. Yeah, I passed this place three times. I'm like, why don't I just look for the sign? I'm like super busy looking at my phone. Yeah. I'm like, oh, the sign is where it's at. Let me let me find it. You know. Look how the fuck did people get around before Apple Maps or oh. Google Maps, bro? Dude, you got lost. I swear to God. There was less roads. There was less places to go. But people, listen, Dude. you'd be surprised if you just don't use Google Maps a couple times in an area. You figure it out pretty quickly. I don't you know. Do. But yeah. we've become so reliant on this shit. Yeah. It, and it dumbs you down. All those things, those natural gifts you've been given, like they go away. You know, yeah, if you I, don't use them, it's a muscle. You, you, it, it, it goes away. Like our natural instincts are gone. You know, I've, I've heard of like tsunamis when they come in, like the animals know when they start running. Like, I think that we're so out of tune that normally we should know the same thing, but we don't. We're so caught up in like TV and Instagram and everything, you know, like just, but just even trying to survive, you know, like forget about that. Like, we, like you got to work four jobs to pay for you know all your it's a kids rat race man it's a rat race man yeah it definitely is and we're, and we're just quality of life when all you can focus on is that next paycheck and you're surviving and then we think that we need all these things we don't need all this no, shit we don't. you ever go in your house and you look around you got shit everywhere so much shit. clutter like yeah. crap you don't need anything you know when i when i was after my divorce i was living um i was staying in like i was traveling to vegas florida staying in hotels for like two years Finally, I moved back into Poughkeepsie when I decided to get an apartment. Before I got the actual apartment, I was staying at my sister's house, and um, I had this guy who was staying with me who literally just got out of prison. And we were trying to figure out, like, I was trying to figure out how to get him a job, an apartment, and we had the Christmas shop. And one night he asked me, he was staying in a shelter, he says, do you mind if I stay here tonight? He's I don't want to go back there, man. They pee. They, it's like they're using drugs. He's like, I, and I could tell he wasn't about that life. The guy's trying to get he his kids up. back. He's yeah. just, he just got in a bad spot. I said, no problem. I let him stay there and I stayed with him. I can't leave him in there by myself. I got all everybody's Christmas gifts in there. Yeah. So we're, I got, I go get two couches. I face him away from the window and we slept in there a few nights. And I'd go to my, it was uh, my dad's house and uh, we'd, we'd take showers the next day and then go back to work, you know, doing the Christmas stuff and whatnot. And then finally I got the apartment with him. But I just remember thinking to myself, I was like, um, I forgot where I was headed with this about, uh, I forgot where I was headed with this. I was going somewhere with that. I, I You're was going to have to tell us. I, I was thinking helping people and, and bringing him to, I don't know yeah. why you started the story though. Yeah, no, there was a, there was a reason why I, I was, I just like lost my train of thought. I was thinking about him with the apartments. Um, oh, oh, material things. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, the material things. Yes. Yeah. The material things. Yeah. So, but. I realized, right, we, after we spent like a week in this place, right, we spent a week literally living in the store and all I had was like, like an outfit or two, a toothbrush and little things. And I'm like, what You're the fine. fuck do I need? 
Yeah. Like I'm literally living on a couch. And I, I, I remember that like thing come over me saying to myself, cause then when, when I got the apartment, all of a sudden now I gotta have a mixer. I gotta have a, a, a whisk. Yeah. <laughs> gotta have, you know, have, like all a these whisk. things. Oh, I gotta I have like the kitchen aid yeah. and all these different like yeah. stuff that you, you use one time in your life. I'm like all these, oh, I'm gonna need a TV for the living room, a TV for the bedroom. You gotta right. have this, you gotta have that. Oh, I need dressers and I'm like, what do you, you don't even need all that stuff. What do you need? You need a track suit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some deodorant and I love it. That's it. A little gel, you know, hook it up. And I mean, you really don't need all of this crap. We're yeah. consumers. Yeah. And what do we do? We would turn on the TV and all they do is sell, sell, sell. They were me at 15 selling you sunglasses and gum and everything. Like all they're doing is sell and we we're suckers for it. Yeah. We buy it and we feel like we need it. We need, we gotta have it's it. I gotta need the, the newest trick, jacket. Man. I gotta have the biggest house. You know, like, my my uh, my ex-wife, she was working um, as like a, a, a nanny, like two days a week. She would take care of these really, really rich people, their kids. And every time we talked, she'd be like, oh, they're renovating the bathroom. Oh, they're renovating the kitchen. Oh, they're doing the bathroom over again. It's like, what the, didn't they just do the bathroom? Yeah, but she didn't like it. But it's like, they had so much money, they didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. But they're never happy. Never happy. You're just constantly trying to find ways to make yourself happy. When in reality, you have what you need. Yeah. You just got to pay attention to it. Wait, you got, she had two kids, you know? She's hiring my wife to watch them two days a week when like, spend the time, you're multi-millionaires. What do you need a freaking nanny for? Yeah. You don't need a nanny. You're a multi-millionaire. Stay your ass home, take care of your kids. Teach them how to, you know, like, <laughs> how to be kids. You know, I don't know. It was just all those little things that stuck in my head. And I thought about like, we're so consumed. And that changed me too. Yeah. I got, I was consumed myself. I used to do the same thing. I was consumed. We go to Disney World. I was running through the park. It was like, I don't ride. Okay, next ride, next ride, next ride. <laughs> you know, let's hurry up. Let's run. Just run and get online. Get go to the next thing. And I'm like, oh my god, I gotta take a nap. I'll get up. The kids are like, can we go? Can we go? All right, we go back and run through the park again. You know, I was like, I weren't. I was enjoying it. Yeah, I wasn't taking my time. You know, I like think we're also caught up in trying to make ourselves happy. You forget, like, what really makes you happy is again, we're we're back at this. It's giving to other people, making other people happy. Yeah, what really fulfills you, and I don't think people do that enough anymore. Making people happy, yeah, man, and it makes me happy to make people happy. Mm -hmm. That's when I really realized how what my purpose was is like helping people. But when I started enjoying it and it started making giving me joy, I was like, "This is who I am." It's right? a win-win, man. It's a if, win if for you everybody. You can be happy making other people happy. You're giving them what they need, and I yeah, mean, dude, that's powerful shit. One of the best things I think I've ever told my kids was like, when you do things in life, when you make business deals or you sell something or you do something, everybody's got to be happy. Hmm. You have to be happy selling it. They got to be happy buying it, right? Yeah. You got to like, everyone's got to benefit. If let's say if I'm selling you something, right? And I'm, uh, or let's say you work for me, right? Now, and I'm doing a job, I'm making $50,000 on the job. I'm only paying you 3,000. Now you think that you're doing okay, but then you find out I'm making this X amount of dollars. You're gonna be like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. I worked on my ass, you made all this money, I didn't get it. It's like, you're not happy. I gotta share it, I gotta show the love. You know, like, right I mean, people. even if it was like, you know, not giving you all of it, like, I, okay, I should make more because of this is like, you don't get the job and everything else, but you have to be able to like, everyone's gotta feel good about yeah. it. Like you can't be like, take it all, you gotta share it, man. Mm -hmm. And when you learn how to master that, you master life, man. When you know how to make everyone happy at the end of a deal, when you're all in a room and everyone's shaking hands, when nobody's walking away from the table upset, 
you've you've mastered it. And you win. You Everybody it's a win-win. Yeah. I'll share a story to that, and then Tony, you can ask your final question because we are going on a little over two, two hours. Holy yeah. shit! I gotta yeah. get out of here. So, I know. I can hear so, your fucking phone. Hey, you know, I'm ringing. charging you guys seven hundred an hour. <laughs> <laughs> this is another side hustle. How you right? doing? <laughs> so I'll tell my story, and then you can ask your final question, which you always like to ask. I have a solar company, and uh, we got about fifty guys now, guys and girls. We got about fifty people total, and the entirety of how we've built the sales team to grow so fast to become the number one company in New York to have all these accomplishments is really two things. A, we pay people so much money that they're very happy to do their job. Like a lot of salespeople in car sales or in, in a lot of sales positions where you're in an office together, it's so dog eat dog. Nobody wants to help each other. You just like, I'll fucking kill you for that deal. If if my customer comes in and you took my customer, you're dead. And you that know? Pass along, passes and along to the people you help. Of if course. you're walking in a place, I walked into the bank today and you could tell everyone who works there, they're miserable, they hate their fucking job. I asked this guy, you know, they're sitting there two talking, two employees. I'm like, hey, are you guys busy? Can I have help? And the guy looked at me like I had 10 heads. Like I'm here trying to do business yeah. with you. And you fucking giving me an attitude? Yeah. I nearly fucking walked out. Yeah. But it's like, Whatever, just talking about bad culture yeah. where you work, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the culture is everyone wants to help each other. We all make a lot of money. We're all friends. We're all happy to sell the product we're selling. We're making good money. So if we're making good money, we're going to take care of the customer because we make good money on the deal. So we're like, okay, I'm making X amount of dollars. This customer is going to have a good experience to where if you pay your... It's the way business works, right? Business uh, uh, employers want to pay people the least amount, but the the less you pay them, the unhappier they are, the less of an experience they're going to give the customer. So that's step one. And then really for us, step two was, was once I got out of the rat race and I started to make a, a lot of money, I turned around and said, I just want to help people do what I do. So not only do I want to help my customers, I wanted to go build a sales team of people that weren't making money and put them into this position where they can make a lot of money, multiple six figures. And even my father, my father was in car sales for 24 years. He left car sales to come over here and start selling solar. And we have obviously 50 other people who have done that. But for me, those two things have been huge. Your purpose, like we've been talking about, your mission, wanting to help people, and then your team paying them enough and making it such a good culture that they want to help their customer too, you know? So um, yeah, go ahead, Tone. You got your question? Oh yeah, so whenever we have someone on the podcast, I always like to ask this question. You got a dollar? <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. At the end of the day, you've had a wild ride of a life. So you've seen a lot of shit. I'm sure you have a lot to offer. At the end of the day, what is your message to any and everyone out there? My message, um, let's see, I would say I like the whole thing about the, you know, being able to use people, but not abuse them, you know, use them for all the things that you can get from them, but just don't take advantage of it. You know, like I, I think, and I, and I want people to do that to me. I want you to be able to like, I want to give you as much as I possibly can in this life. I know that this is over at one point. I know that this is temporary. I got hopefully 25, 26 years left of my life. You know, my dad died 71. I had a grandfather died 72. So if I'm in that average right there, that's 26 years from now. So I'm like, I want to, when I leave this world, I want 
people to like, when they hear my name, right? Or they talk about a story, I want it to be always a good story, right? A legacy. I want it to be- just talking about this, man. I want it to be more than just like, oh, he's a nice guy. I want to be like, this guy wasn't just a nice guy. This guy would like change your life, you know? Like, and I think that if, if everybody did that, right? If everybody gave just a little bit extra, if you just just paid a little bit more attention, imagine how far that would go. Like one of the be- the best things that I tell people all the time is like when uh, people come to volunteer, they're like, are you worried about anyone taking advantage of you? No, I'm never worried about that. If I have to feed a thousand people to get to the one person that really needs it, I don't care. They mm. can take as much as they want. Wow. But I know that that one kid that really needed the food got it. You know, like, and so to take an example, say you have a family, say your brother, you know, your brother got, you know, caught in a prison somewhere and like there's a, a fenced in area and there's a thousand and one people, your brother's the one. And the only way he's going to get food, if we drop so much food in there, that he's going to get some, that yeah. he has to get it because they can't eat it all. Mm, you're still going to do So it. when people come up and they're like, oh, they, can I take extra, can I take extra toys? I, yeah, take whatever you want. I don't care. And some volunteers are like, don't you worry about, what do you think? I'm worried about them taking a toy? That's going to go to a child? What do you think they're doing with it? Like selling it on eBay? Mm. And if they are, what are they doing with it? They're paying their electric bill. So so what? Let them do it. That's capitalism. You know, like, call me. I'll get you solar. <laughs> yeah, yeah they got go, to go buy a solar <laughs> unit from you. you know? But um, especially with food. Like, what are you worried about them taking an extra turkey for? Who as long as it goes to his hungry stomach. Right? Somebody's eating it. That's what they got. What do you think they're doing with the turkey? Taking it home and doing what? Having target practice? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in reality, what is it that we're doing? Yeah. And I look at it like, so that's one person, right? So we get one out of that thousand. I'm that one guy. And look what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm that one guy that got, that, that got hand-me-downs one day. Someone showed up with a bag of clothes when my mother couldn't pay for it. You know, mm. like all of a sudden I got it on Christmas. I'm that one kid and look what I've done with my life. Look how many people I have to solve. And I'm touching more than one. I know I'm getting more the than one. The ripple effect is huge. Huge. Yeah. So if now I got a handful, if not hundreds or thousands, now all those kids, what if a few of those turn out to be like me or better than me? Right. Or do more than I do or right. what you do? You know, like then what? What do we do? We change, we're change, we're really changing the world, man. Yeah, the good and can that spread. is the coolest thing I think ever. So use me, don't abuse me. But I'm not really worried. Like, I'm not worried about the abuse because I'm like, it's going to happen because a lot of people don't know how to handle kindness. A lot of people don't know how to even accept it. If you'll, you'll it. notice that in life was like huge point. Yeah, you I've don't. Uh, it's yeah, weird. very true. It's one of the most like mind boggling things I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen it in a previous relationship of mine where she was constantly in negative and bad relationships. And um, I don't want to say who it is, but it was a girl that I had dated. And um, I noticed it's like, as soon as things started going good, she'd like literally pick a fight because it was like, she, she was like, she was trying to like self-destruct. She would even say it herself. She's like, I'm throwing grenades in, you know, like she'd yeah. throw grenades and blow it up because she didn't know how to handle somebody being that nice to her. She just couldn't understand it. Like what the hell, she's so used to being yelled at, abused, hit, beat, whatever the hell it is that happened to her. And I'm like, I feel bad for her. I, I, I can't save the entire world, you know what I'm saying? But I, and I was like, it drained me so much. That's why I couldn't stay with her. It was like soaking it out of me, you know, like fighting and all that times where like I started losing who I was and I had to get out of there. Mm. But um, yeah, that's it, man. Use me, but don't abuse me, man. And don't, and don't worry about 
all the nonsense in this world. Don't worry about the fact that some people are going to take advantage because what are they really taking advantage of? Okay, they can afford food, but they, they took an extra meal. Well, okay, so now they don't have to buy dinner tomorrow. Maybe now they can go outside and have a football catch with their kid. Yeah. Maybe now they can take them to the mall and go to a movie. Maybe now they can go on vacation for a week to Florida. I can go to Florida whenever I want. I go to Vegas. You could do that, you know. But some of these guys don't go on vacation. Their kids never went fishing. Right. Maybe now instead of that, you know, that, that $300 in food that they got, we gave them, okay, now they don't have to worry about food this week. They can spend it on time sitting down doing the homework with the kid because they don't have to worry about trying to feed their kid that night. Right. You know, you got to think deeper, think yeah. farther, think, think more than just the actual, that right there. Right. Even if they don't need it, they can benefit from it somehow. They can and benefit from it. And nobody dry, nobody that it's got a million dollars in the bank is showing is up going, taking the right, turkey. Right. I don't care. You could think it all you want, but okay. If they're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, they get a turkey. Big deal. Who cares? I mean, that's a hundred thousand dollars a year now is nothing. You it's could, amazing. you know, I know people that are making $150,000 a year and they're broke. Yeah. They're just getting by. Yeah, I know people making two, three hundred thousand dollars a year that are still broke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, man. I swear to God. There's people on my sales yeah. team. All right, that's awesome, man. Thank that was you. an amazing Thank show. You. I feel like uh, as much as we did talk, we didn't even we didn't even the like scratch the surface. We could sit here for days, man. I have. I, that's the one thing I will tell you about my life. It's like I had some crazy, exciting things, you know, like and some very sad things. Yeah. You know, like I lost a sister at 32 years old. Oh my god. She she got killed in a car accident, drunk driving car accident. Oh my god. I didn't know that, dude. Yeah. A lot of people don't don't know. I mean, it's like, but you know, as sad as it was, one of the saddest days of my life was one of the best days of my life because it taught me like how to appreciate my life. My sister taught me. Look at who you're telling. How to appreciate my life, like you. Same thing. It's like she was always the one that it's wanted incredible. family together, family together. I'm closer to my brothers and sisters now than I've ever been in my life. Right. Because I was on my own path. You know, whatever. I don't need anybody. Yeah. Now I'm like, no, I need all you. I, you're, my, you're my family. I right. need you in my life. You know, that's it. That's the Frankie Flowers Such show. Such a it's message, Frankie. baby. I love that, that podcast. All right. We will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Peace. Zach Dingy, Tony Capoletti, Three Legs Podcast.